Hey, uh, Jimmy Valentine, that was a really great game-winning score you had there at the sporting event. Yeah, thanks. I really appreciate that. You can look for that card really soon at Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. They got tons of sports memorabilia. Jimmy Valentine, RKO Radio News. Jimmy, what makes Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics your favorite comic store in the Colorado area? I'm telling you, forget about it. A comic collector like me, I can save 20% on a hold slot. Duh. Plus, it's hard for me. I'm on the road all the time. If I want the amazing Spider-Man and I'm not around, it's in my hold slot. Jimmy Valentine, what do you have to say about your recent allegations about steroid use? <laughs> I'm not going to answer that question, but I am going to tell you that if I want to get Magic the Gathering cards, I go to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. <laughs> the little square Jimmy Jr., he loves those. So go to 6700 Wadsworth Boulevard in Nevada, Colorado. They'll take really good care of you. Hold on, Jimmy. One Jimmy, more question. One more question Wait, no, no, don't go yet. Does this sound familiar? You're interested in purchasing that new action figure, but aren't sure if it's worth it? Well, come check out PlasticExplosion.com, where you can go to find all the latest and greatest action figure previews and reviews. Every week, they'll be bringing you reviews and picks from your favorite collections, such as DC Universe, Masters of the Universe Classics, Marvel Universe, Star Wars, Transformers, and many more. Come check us out at PlasticExplosion.com. That's PlasticExplosion.com. Barbecue that can't be beat. Try Birdman Barbecue Sauce. Available and original and spicy. These robust full flavor sauces have the awesome power to kick your taste buds in their face. And for that smoke and taste on everything you eat, try new Birdman Smoke and Rub. Caution! Meat left unrubbed may suffer from flavor performance anxiety. You can pick up Birdman Barbecue at local area Ace Hardware stores. Ruff's Barbecue in Golden, and the Danny Cash Hot Shop Off-Broadway. You can also like us on Facebook at Birdman BBQ. Welcome to the Cockiest Podcast... <laughs> In the land. I am Ryan. To my left is... Brad. To my right is... James. And we are the Real Nerds. This week, we're back <laughs> to our normal schedule, and we saw Texas Chainsaw 3D. We did. To stay tuned on how we felt about that, you're going to have to wait till the end of the podcast. <laughs> I was waiting for you guys to say something, but you guys didn't No, no, I, know, I, I know. No, 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 no. Nope. Yeah, so, hey, I hope you listened to our year-end spectacular, Film Explosion 2012. It's Brad did a great job editing it. Thank I, you. I was, I was talking to James that I loved the uh, Zelda <laughs> treasure chest that you always do, and that you time it just right, And I, you know, because you also said it took you so long to edit it. And I was like, well, yeah, he's timing a chest opening and the prize being revealed, whether it be, you know, the bow and arrow or the boomerang, and it's just... Dun, 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 dun. How long did it actually take you to like edit that thing? Because you left here and then you didn't get it done till like eleven o'clock the next morning. Yeah, I, I I did fall asleep in between it. Oh, okay. I was That's actually good. good. I kind of had to listen to it twice. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it took me a while. Um, I I started when I got got home, probably what one or two, and then yeah, around, around five or six, I passed out, and then woke up and finished the rest of it, and had to re-listen to things. I wasn't sure if I missed anything. <laughs> Yeah. And I had that kind of lucid awakeness where, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, well, especially if you were. I that think I tired. skipped over two, no, like two rounds of something before I was. I started working on the next one, thinking like, "Oh no, I skipped." 
like <laughs> seven and eight. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was not a not a fun edit. <laughs> that's that's dedication though. But it it got up and close enough. Yeah, no, it's to where people were able to get it on sort of time. No, it's good. <laughs> and uh, oh, yeah. the 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 episode is really good, if I must say so myself. Yeah, listening to it, I had fun. Uh, we were so, listening yeah. to it in the car last week, and I couldn't help myself but but laugh quite. Is, a bit. is that bad that we think we're funny? Does <laughs> yeah. anybody else think we're funny? Yeah, it's very I, egocentric I of us. I guess my yeah. my brother did say that he. I my brother's birthday. Steve's birthday was on Saturday, and he says he's listening to like three or four episodes a day, and he's cracking up. <laughs> So that's a uh, that's a good thing, and he wants to be on the show. So he might be on next week when we see Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah. So stay tuned for my brother, which we're pretty sure is the movie we're seeing next week. Yes, pretty sure. Yeah, my wife was going to kick Brad's ass. We got a new fucking coffee table. It's awesome. It's like Norse. There's it, giant pieces of steel on it. It's made of like driftwood. When yeah, when wait, yeah. why is my ass going to get kicked? Oh, we, because well, sorry, Laura I, I, doesn't I, want you to ruin the. The coffee table by putting your tea. by putting your tea on not you a coaster. Use a, you use oh. a coaster. Yeah, and I mean, this is Colorado, so it does not make a difference. <laughs> but it's the thought that counts. Yeah, and so the story behind this is: is Laura really wanted this, and um, I went to World Market, and this is the thing: I know how to build things, I know how to use tools, but I fucking hate doing it. <laughs> so I try to get out of it as much as I can, and. I didn't know what the table looked like. She just told me it looked like a treasure chest, kind of. What? So I, I, with the straps on it. I um, guess, yeah. So I went there, and I was looking through the world market. And, of course, I stopped by the candy aisle first. If you guys have ever been to the <laughs> world market, their candy is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, so I found it, and I told the lady, I'm like, yeah, I want that one my wife <laughs> likes. No, I, I, this is literally what happened. <laughs> yeah, I, I said, my wife wants this one, and she said, do you want it? And I said, does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> and she just laughed. And so they came up to me. And they said, we don't have any more, but you can take the one on the floor if you want it. Oh, heck yeah. You get 10% off? No, but oh, it was it was already what? marked down 50%. Oh, okay then. It, it was, yeah. So she's like, if you can fit it in your car, I was like, done, sold. So I brought it in and I told Laura how hard it was to make the table. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, It looks like a nope. door that fell out of Middle Earth and it's, then you threw legs on it. Yeah, yeah exactly. A bit. But you know, looking at the table, I don't think it'd actually be that hard to build. It looks like it's just really... Legs. I'm uh, sure this the iron would be hard to bend yeah, on I'm your pretty, own. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure you have to superheat that iron and then wrap it around the edges of the table. To and then I'd hit it, and sparks would be flying. And Heck you guys yes. were like, "What are you doing?" I'd be blacksmithing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's a nice table. So good job not fucking it up, Brad. Yeah, we appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, Anyways, if you've never listened to our podcast, what we do is every week we go see a movie, we broadcast it to the world. There are several ways you can communicate with us. You can send us a tweet, real underscore nerds. You can email us directly, realnerds at gmail.com. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Real Nerds Podcast. Go to our website, realnerdspodcast.com, and leave it, and we can find it. So, like we do every week, we start the show with fan mail. Fan mail! Um, we got it quite a bit, and I'm actually actually going to catch up from last week too. Remember, I teased everybody that Cora sent us an email last week, and uh, now I'm gonna I'm gonna drop this email on you guys. Are you ready for it to be dropped? Uh, I'm, Do I'm, it. Yeah. You know, like how you know, is it so cool that I try to sound like I'm cool, but I'm not cool at all? Yeah, it's really cool. Go ahead. Anyways, um, Cora says, "Hi boys, 
So firstly, Ryan, you really are a creeper. Um, <laughs> two weeks ago, I commented that I liked her uh, profile picture, but oh, yeah, she says thanks for the profile creepy. picture. It was creepy. <laughs> <laughs> That's not creepy if you tell someone you like a picture of them. Uh, if you if you don't really know them, yeah. Like, I've, I've been watching you. Or she How early in the morning was it? I found you on the <laughs> Or she sends me oh, emails and her picture comes with it. And it's like, oh, that's a nice picture oh, of her. Oh, that's true. All right, never mind. I yeah, think you, got, you guys are just fucking dicks, man. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice, making people feel good. I like her profile picture. I'm like, oh, you look no, nice. Just... And you guys are like, oh, you creeper. Take your dick out of that glory hole. I'm like, there's no glory hole, and I'm not sticking my dick in it. And you guys just keep on going like I'm sticking a dick in a glory hole. No, I just, I just, I just spend a lot of time, you know... <laughs> Stare with your dick in a glory hole? No, just staring up. at Facebook p- pictures, so I, <laughs> I just assume that's what you were doing. I... Well, you never know. Um, secondly, seriously, you haven't seen The Room? Even I've yeah. seen it, and I don't watch that crazy shit, and that <laughs> is some crazy shit. Good news. A couple Thursdays from now. or Wait, what? Fridays? <laughs> a couple Fridays, yeah. Yeah. We'll get a chance to see it this month. Oh, cool. I won't be there. <laughs> I'll be there. Brad, you and I. We'll Hell yeah. Cool. And you guys can tell me about how shitty your experience was. Dude, oh, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna buy that Blu-ray and then make you watch it. How are you gonna make me watch it? You're gonna tie me down. <laughs> yeah, you keep going. I'm gonna bring it over and I'm gonna put it in your Spider-Man <laughs> Blu-ray case. Are you gonna put a new up. label on the Spider-Man? <laughs> yeah, I will. Disc? <laughs> I'll. You know I can do it. I'll I print out a convincing Spider-Man like, label. You'll put it in. I'm like, uh, I'm too lazy <laughs> to change watch, it. He'll watch the entire movie. Going, <laughs> when does Spider-Man show yeah. up? I don't remember this movie very well. <laughs> Um, James and Brad, I'll give you both a dollar at Denver Comic Con. I'll be buying tickets for Michael and I for all three days after I get my next paycheck. A dollar? Sweet, I just made a dollar. Why do we? Why does she always? I don't dollar? remember. It must have been something we said at uh, in a couple podcasts ago. Uh, maybe I offered to pay her a dollar to come to Comic Con. Maybe it's a Robocop reference. No, no, it's reference. the other way. Because she would buy that for a dollar. I don't. So uh, Cora, we're too stupid to remember what we even said. Yeah, I don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> Thirdly, Lay Miz, holy crap. So I'll try to write this spoiler free. I've never seen, read, or heard any production of this story. I had a I had a general idea of what was going on, but every twist was new to me. I was not sold from the beginning. I felt myself being pulled out of the story by how forced some of it seemed, and then having a nice little internal dialogue of how you would feel about the movie at particular moments. Yeah. But by the third act hey, Cora, stays tuned. Me and James will talk about it. Yeah. But by the third act I finally got it. As I have stated before, I love love. I love love, and it took the love between Cosette and Marius. I think that's his name, right? Uh, yeah, Marius, Marius. Yeah, and subque- uh, subsequently, Jean Valjean's fatherly love for her to finally get me caught up in the story and move to tears. Marius's rendition of "Empty Chairs at Empty Tables" did it. Hmm. Uh, that was actually a pretty good. Um, yeah, I think song. that's the most powerful moment in the film i was creaming like i would have expected myself to be doing during i dreamed a dream which was too much Anne hathaway not enough of fantine amen yes this is was motivated motivated by thoughts of empty spaces at chris tables in connecticut but anyways the movie seems like it was a grand undertaking and possibly was done as well as it could have they could have done it maybe my audience once they all calmed down and stopped being assholes see tweet was emotionally moved as a whole enriching experience as well. Even I thought this one fell a little short. It's still theater worthy. Bring on Django in twenty thirteen. Um, sure. If you'd we'll like talk. to, if you'd like to hear what me and James feel about Les Misérables, um, stay tuned for what we've been watching. Yeah. Cool. So what else did we get. We also got 
um, Dan sent us a tweet because we have mentioned a couple times that, you know, hey, if we don't know what we're talking about, you know, say something to us. And he says, greetings. You seem to have once again totally misrepresented and misunderstood Twilight. Uh. To say that the following... Uh, to say the following, the source material is an insult to fans is a contradiction in terms. A uh, non-confrontational confrontation in Breaking Dawn was no more of a fan disservice than Uncle Ben being killed in Amazing Spider-Man. I, I don't think that's exactly what we said. That was a tweet? No, he, he said tweet, but he means email. Uh, uh, um, email, did I say tweet? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's like, I, that's more than I 147 characters. I think what we were characters. saying was that the... Um, whether, whether it's, you know, to the book or not, the whole thing of doing an action sequence at the end and spending 20 minutes on stuff and and having these char- emotional character moments where, like, fathers die and stuff like that, and then rewinding it, saying it never happened, and then having everyone walk away is an offensive thing to do to audiences um, when you're telling a story. That's what I was saying. Um, maybe maybe we said it wrong or whatever, but... Um, yeah, sometimes we don't phrase things correctly. Yeah, I, if it is sticking to the book... Fine. There's plenty of stuff that's offensive and stupid in those books, um, but <laughs> and, and I would deeper. I would hope I would hope that they do a good job and and you know at least pay service to the fans of the stuff. Um, it's just uh, that ending, which as I've been told is not actually in the book, where we, we do. don't see that fight scene. Um, adding that in is really dumb, um, and they only add it in because they know that without it they have a boring film. So. As Cora pointed out to you previously, Breaking Dawn was modeled on the Merchant of Venice, so the anticlimactic ending was the point, and to be expected. If anything, the vision was an extra piece of fan service that gave the fans fight matchups that they've wanted to see but are not in the novels. I, I get his argument there. That's not bad. Okay. Secondly, Bella's pregnancy did have consequences. Bella died during childbirth and had to be saved by being turned. Additionally, the pregnancy divided both the Cullen family and the Wolf Pack. And Jacob's imprinting on Renaissance. Uh, Renaissance. Ended up forming. I, I always hate reading that, and I hate saying I that hate hearing name. the name. It's um, Ended up forming new and stronger lines between the Cullens and the Wolves. Consequences can be both good and bad, and it would seem that you're expecting a level of darkness in Twilight that shouldn't be expected from this type of fantasy romance. N- um, no. I, I will say this, and I've, I, I guess... Uh, Dan and Cora, I, I appreciate everything you've sent on Twilight. It's something I'll never understand. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's something I will. I, I just will never get it. So. Um, Not every movie is for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fine. And so I really appreciate him taking time and you know trying to explain it to me. Um, but you know, teach their own. On another matter, while I can't fault you, including Skyfall in your top ten, Brad, because it's a solid action <laughs> it's film. Directed me, huh? Yeah, you're the only one who had it in the top ten, right? Right. I couldn't include it because I believe that the film was a step in the wrong direction. Casino and Quantum really captured something and set a new style and tone for James Bond. And after having watched the entire Bond franchise recently, Skyfall seems like a a return to the puns and stereotypes of the Moore era that made the series a joke. Yep. Additionally, in general, I disliked where the film went. I I don't want to see an aging and out of shape Bond. And it's completely unsympathetic to M. Furthermore, I am one of the few f- uh, who are f- not fans of Javier Bardem. I do not find his character all that interesting. In fact, it was a little more than a ripoff of Sean Bean's character from GoldenEye, XMI6 agent, etc., etc. The Bond series is t- at a tipping point where it can either go back to doing what it's always done or keep 
trying to be innovative and tenacious regards dan yeah i see his point on that one like the the allure of casino royale was that they're i guess going in more of a uh, born direction Mm -hmm. but i don't i don't Uh, think that what they do in skyfall means that they can never do that and that they can never tell interesting stories and have you know more cerebral villains again um, it's more that those some of those old tropes are coming back, and I'm I, I think they do a good job of, of reintroducing them, but they're, it's not going to work for everybody. He's right. Yeah. Um, and there were some of them. That it's didn't a matter work. of taste. Like yeah. you pointed out that that one line in it that drives you nuts when they're in the shower. Oh gosh, I which hate is that line. One of those where they probably go a little too far in that old direction. Yeah. Um, but I don't mind a blend of it because having those lines are part of the James Bond legacy. Yeah. I think so too. So there's a you know there's a set of fans who are like don't like the Craig bonds because they're too like not right uh in that direction so you know there's gonna be you know one side and the other side all the time and uh, i I actually i feel like skyfall is a good blend of the two and eventually it's gonna have to go back because you know eventually that style you know the born style would get boring so for a lot of people i I think the the thing that uh, about them introducing that stuff that excites me the most is that last scene when he goes into that office with with the more traditional you know, M office mm-hmm. um, because it, what, what these movies have lacked is that sort of classiness, that sort of like real nice spy universe where everybody's in good suits and drinking really nice liquor um, that, you know, like this, like a madman version of spies that we don't, we don't get that anywhere else. And so I think that, that aspect of it, I'm mm-hmm. really looking forward to. I don't need a lot of like womanizing and, you know, um, the bad puns. I don't need that back. I don't need guys with like diamonds embedded in their face. Like that's all stupid. Um, and he's, but these but movies have also been sort of an origin story too. So eventually they were going to weave back into, you know, right. The existing movies and that's how they chose to do it. So, yeah. uh, but I, I can see where he's coming from for sure. They were never supposed to be a complete revisionist thing. They're supposed to be like bonds origins and how he gets to be right. the suave, you know, spy that he is so um it would have been nice to see like different takes and they who knows maybe they do have other ideas down the road that could change it up a bit we'll see i I don't know how he doesn't he doesn't sympathize with him it's judy dench (laughs) i mean come on nobody wants no come on hope she's in the next one and i think there's (laughs) i think there's other bond movies where like his spy buddy is terrorizing him or something i can't remember yeah 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 Definitely Goldeneye is the one that stands out, but I haven't seen the old ones in a while. But <laughs> to I think be honest, a- they've had so many villains in those movies that at a certain point you got to start rehashing them. It's going to be like, well, what if this guy has a little dog he carries around with him all the time? You know, come on. <laughs> James Bond's pet dog turns against him <laughs> in Dog Bite. I don't know. It's actually a space raccoon. That's what it's going to be. Hmm. Um, we got another email from Cora. She says you don't have to read it on the show. Thanks but for she- writing in, by the way. Too Dan. bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks, thank you, Dan. Dan. I love his emails. Even even when they are yelling at us for not liking Twilight, I, I love it when he writes in. He's probably just disagreeing. Um, oh, yeah. And she says you don't have to read this, but she mentions that an invitation to be on the show. Cora, if you're ever in Denver on a Friday night, you're more than welcome to be on our show. In fact, we welcome it, which I already said. Um, we also got a tweet from Megan Sullivan, who is a sister of Alex, and she just said, thanks for sharing my dad's letter. If you want to read an awesome letter that her father wrote about the reopening of the movie theater in Aurora, go to Denver Post and just search it, and uh, it will move you to tears. Um, we also got a tweet from Kelly in Connecticut, who is a costume designer on The Battery. Um, she said it was a great interview we did with uh, Raphael. 
Ruiz, who directed A Quiet Girl's Guide to Violence. Bam! And uh, <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> nailed oh. it. Oh yeah, good job. Uh, and then it's 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 really funny because she says uh, a great interview. Uh, She's basically telling people to listen to it. She says, give it an ear. Raphael can talk and talk and talk, but he knows what he's talking about, which is true. Um, he has <laughs> yeah. great stories and he knows a lot. And then Raphael replied, uh, he said, oh, you lovely woman. Now let me tell you something. <laughs> so uh, That's fun. Like that's people. fun. Thanks, guys, for having a little fun conversation on our Twitter page. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, um, thank you, everybody, who sent us mail this week. Um, and one last week. We really appreciate it. I appreciate everything you send. Um, it's lots of fun because it's like we know you, even if we haven't met mm-hmm. so far away. Back to the back to the normal show, guys. Are you ready? Yeah. This is stuff we've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. My show, I go first. Okay. How does this work again? I, I forgot. I know, right? See, it sounds <laughs> like it's a been long a week. Time. It's really weird. Yeah. Um. This week, you guys mentioned you were tired of movies. This week, I was tired of being tired of work. Whoa, whoa, whoa! We never get sick of movies. I, I wasn't tired. We're of the movies. real nerds. I was tired of 2012. That's what I was tired of. But yeah, um, you know, it took all day, eight hours of me just sitting in bed to write my wrap-up blog. Did I, I really? I still haven't finished mine. It was, as you know, yeah. Yeah, I know. I haven't even started mine because I think my wife threw away my list with the rankings on them. So well, maybe you'll have to do something reasonable, like only twenty or twenty. Nah, I'm gonna, I, I gotta keep. I gotta keep the streak alive, boys. Uh, do you actually rank each of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He he goes from very worst movie he saw that year to very best movie he saw that year. It's insane. And is it Wrong Turn Five or Sand Sharks this year, boys? Oh. Stay tuned this week for oh, Ryan's complete man. movie wrap up. Um, anyways, on Sunday, Laura, my wife, she was at work and I was kind of bored. So we have a blockbuster up the street, which I have an account too. So, you know, every once in a while I'll go rent a movie, um, because not all movies are available. And by, by account, you mean you rip your name out of the yellow pages and walk in there and then they, they just give you. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I thought, I think I remember that's how it works. Um, anyways, I got two movies there. I got, uh, the first movie I got was Hall Pass, which was, um, a Fairly Brothers movies from yeah. two years ago or a year ago. I don't remember. Um, it was all right. There's a really uh, uh, Owen Wilson and Jason Sudeikis star in it, and they play these guys who are given a hall pass by their wives to go out and cheat on them and do whatever they want. And I was expecting something a little more crazy to happen in it, but they really, of course, it was the normal. Well, we got this hall pass. Let's get ready to go out, and then they don't really do anything, and they just all big talk. Um, and there's some funny parts. the The funniest part is they go to their rich friend's house, and they like break away and their rich friend takes everybody else into this panic room that has security cameras and audio and they're making fun of their rich friend and it was really funny Hmm. so if you're bored one night you can check it out there's some funny parts in it like the pickup line is hey are you from ireland because my penis is dublin (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the the second movie i got was the conspirator which is a robert redford movie from last year as well and it's uh it's a trial of Mary Surratt from uh, one of the people who was involved in the Abraham Lincoln assassination. And I, I said, hey, I've already seen, you know, a good Lincoln movie and it's Robert Redford. And it also has Robin Penn, in, Robin Wright in it. I'm sorry, Robin Ooh. Wright in it and James McAvoy. So, I was, And when I turned on the Blu-ray, a lot of times when you get Blu-rays from Blockbuster, they don't let you skip trailers or ads in them. 
And this movie was made by the Great American Film Society, I think, if I can remember right. And they said that they they harp on historically accurate movies. I mean, they're going to take history and make them historically accurate. So you're basically seeing big budget history channel reenactments. Um, but what pissed me off about this movie is it wasn't historically accurate at all. Huh. Um, at all. Uh, wait, the wait, character's does, names are right. Does Lincoln survive the shooting? He does not. Oh, okay. Uh, they they have some cool things. Like the thing leading up to the assassination was really suspenseful. If you don't know the history of this assassination, not only was Lincoln a target, but they also were going to kill the vice president and the secretary of state. Yeah. Um, the guy who was supposed to kill uh, Andrew Johnson chickened out. The guy who tried to kill... Um, the Secretary of State was successful in stabbing him. It did not kill him. Who is Norman Reedus, by the way? Um, and so, I, I don't know. The Mary Surratt was defended by three people. James McAvoy was the only guy who was in there. Um, they glossed over a lot of what she really did do, which is, I guess, they're trying to point out that she was an innocent victim, but, I mean, she really wasn't. So, uh, the performances are really good. The movie was okay. Hmm. Um, it just really bothered me. Because I, I love history, and I kind of pay attention to that stuff. Well, that's too bad, because yeah, I never want Robert Redford to make bad movies. I mean, he has. I but... mean, it's not like, I wouldn't say it's a bad movie. It's just when they preface it by saying, oh, we make historically accurate movies, and then you're watching it, and you, you think to yourself, this isn't mm-hmm. really that historically accurate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, anyways. Uh, I also saw, uh, well, my wife was awesome. I begged for the Indiana Jones adventure collection on Blu-ray for Christmas and she got it for me. And I watched the on the set with Raiders, which by the way is amazing if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, and then I, I I was going to watch them all, but I decided to watch temple of doom because I was the one I haven't seen in the longest. And I love that movie. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I might say it's the second best Indiana Jones movie. No. Yes. Um, okay. What's number one? Number one's Raiders. Okay, okay. So you're <laughs> saying it's better than Last Crusade. Yeah. So it's all downhill for you. Uh, oh. I would say it's downhill. I think it's just plateaued. Because hmm. um, I think Raiders is the Everest, and then you know, then it's Kilimanjaro, just just a little bit below it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, man. Even if I don't know if that's right in the mountain orders, I'm just guessing. No, I'm pre- yeah, I'm pretty sure that Kilimanjaro is not as tall as Everest. Yeah, I'm not a mountaintologist, though. <laughs> yeah, a mountaintologist. <laughs> that's a great word if it's real. Um, <laughs> no, I made it up. That's awesome. But there's just, uh, I forgot the awesome little Indiana Jones moments in it. Um, I love when she's he wants to go down and get those rocks that they stole from the villagers. And, and Willie says, you're going to die for your fortune and fame. And he just turns to her really coldly and says, maybe, but not today. I don't know. I just love there's moments in it and it is dark and yeah, but I think the movie's good. I don't know why it gets such a bad rap. Uh, it was a huge influence on me as a kid. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that uh, I think a lot of it is people who actually saw it when it came out and were just disappointed because it wasn't Raiders. You know, I can see that. And yeah, just that, that tainting the way you see that film. Um, but even the opening's really good when he's, they're uh, sitting down in the, I go first Indy. Oh uh, yeah. They're sitting down in the, I don't know, the nightclub in Shanghai. And, you know, he's just in there talking. And I mean, what's cool about Indiana Jones as a hero is he kills people and he doesn't care. I mean, that one guy he stabs with a flaming kebab. (laughs) Um, Well, that guy just shot his waiter. Well, yeah, unnecessarily. And I think Short Round's funny in it. And watching it, uh, there's some jokes that are in Family Guy. 
<laughs> that I'm watching that and I forgot that we're in Raiders. I mean, uh, Raiders Temple of Doom. And I thought the villains were really good in it. Uh, yeah, he's cool. He's a bit more, yeah, Molaram is a bit more like, uh, uh, well, obviously magical, but yeah, because he's not a Nazi. Everybody else yeah. is just Nazis. Um, but he, I just I, he think actually it's a has like movie. some power. Yeah, it's weird. And I, I think the movie's really well done, of course. And on Blu-ray, how does the climax hold up? With oh, the, uh, alligators I think it looks, really, I think it looks good. good. Yeah, I mean, uh, they clean up the mat lines. Some of them, Some like of them? the water, the water coming through the through the rock, still looks kind of meh. Um, but then, but the, I thought the uh, the chase, you know, on the rail car was really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. The, and the rail I mean, so and there's good. parts when he is um, getting whipped and stuff, like the reds and stuff. It looks really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some of the special effects look bad, like the plane crashing into the mountain looks oh, pretty bad yeah that one still looks all that's probably still the worst shot of the film and there used to be um i think there used to be some bad uh mat lining around when they drop that first guy into the fire mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um and that looks better yeah um, it's really cleaned up yeah and i i love the scene when him and willie are uh gonna hook up and they're arguing back and like they're debating back and forth i thought th- i think the movie's oh, yeah. really cool um and then he goes in and, and pushes on the boobs of the statue, mm-hmm. and she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm right here. And yeah. Stuff like that makes me it's, laugh. Oh, man. It's still got maybe one of my favorite uh, Harrison Ford lines when they're when – they're, uh, it's just because of his delivery, but when the spikes are all coming down, and he finally puts his face in that hole and goes, we are going mm-hmm. to die. And just <laughs> yeah. the way he says it is awesome. It's the, my Actually, favorite moment I, in the I movie. I love that moment, too, because, you know, short round two – he says, yeah. stand against the wall. Don't touch you anything. Right here. You told me stand right here. I stand right here, Dr. Jones. Oh, man. And uh, the whole scene, too, I forgot how clever the scene is when they're playing poker. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, Willie keeps on pulling uh, varmints or creatures out. And he says, the problem with her is all the screaming. <laughs> and All the noise. And... Uh, and he says, "Wait, Doctor Jones, you cheat!" And uh, he's and Indiana says, "You cheat too." He says, "I cheat little, you cheat big." Yeah, I love it. I love that movie. I, I'm pretty sure that all Asian stereotypes came out of that movie. I but don't think anyone did was you racist see the interview with him. Movie. Like he sounds the oh, same yeah. now. No, he. he no, no, <laughs> I know he does. But hey, I love Short Round. I do too. That's cool. Is that all you saw? No. <laughs> <laughs> I also because um, we saw Lay Miz, and we'll talk about that when I bleed into yours. Sure. But um, because of how I felt after I saw Lay Miz. I said, I need to see a good musical. So <laughs> I, <laughs> spoilers. I did the same thing. I, I got home and I was just fucking around on Amazon. I saw that the Sound of Music on Blu-ray was on sale for $8. So I ordered it and watching it. And that movie is still really good. And I have a huge crush on Julie Andrews um, from Mary Poppins to Sound of Music. Um, it's just it's just a fun movie. And it, it deals with, you know, the Nazis and things and yeah. Um, and Christopher Plummer is Captain Von Trapp. I did not remember that at all until he showed up on screen. And I he still looks the same now, just, you know, 40 years, 45 years younger. And uh, who knew he could sing so well? And there's just so many cute scenes in it. Um, the kids are really funny. Uh, just It's just a well-done movie. I haven't seen that movie in forever, but I love the sequence in a way we go where there's the family that they only show the first half and del- and never show the kids the part with the Nazis. Cause that's the way they want them to see the world. Oh mm-hmm. man. And yeah, it's, you know, the, of course it's, there's some corny parts in it too, but even the songs that you just take for granted that, uh, do a deer, a female deer, like they're so catchy. Yeah. 
that uh, you just love them. Of course, it, and the movie's really, I mean, on Blu-ray, it's fucking beautiful. And I love movies that it's 45 years old, but it looks like it was shot yesterday mm-hmm. because it's so beautiful. And um, Julie Andrews just, man, you know, her I Got Confidence bit where she's running up and dancing. And I love musicals when they're well done. I really do. Me too. So I saw The Sound of Music. If you haven't seen it yet, I mean, you really should. Um, I also got uh, James for Christmas for me. He knows that I'm a big fan of Return of the Living Dead, which is one of my favorite zombie movies. And when we were talking to Paul Salmon, which you can listen to the interview on Real Nerds Podcast, um, he mentioned that he was in a documentary called More Brains, which is a documentary about the making of this movie. And... You know, when James gave it to me, like, oh, cool, you know, maybe an hour documentary. This is a two and a half hour documentary about <laughs> a low budget zombie movie. That's not even two and a half hours long. Right? That's, no, there's, I think it's 85 minutes, <laughs> the, the movie. And it's so cool because one, this is why I really love this documentary. Besides me loving the movie is they didn't hold any punches back. Like if they didn't like somebody on there, they told you that they didn't like them. Uh, this girl who played... Uh, trash i think was her name in the movie um they're punk rockers uh, uh that's her punk rock name so yeah, she was that's a, not her christian name <laughs> she was a stripper and dan o'bannon liked her so he hired her on the set and i guess she was always high and um, none of the cast liked her because she was a bitch Ooh. and she was on this documentary too and she says oh, i guess i was pretty bad back then and um and they w- they won't pull punches they uh the first guy who did makeup on there they had him on and they had the producer and he said his makeup was horrible and they were showing like early makeup tests and it looked terrible. Uh-huh. And so he was on there and they were talking about how they fired him and uh, he was, wow. I mean, they go through every stage of this movie and it's really well done. Um, even for, uh, you can tell it's probably not a big budget documentary, but they yeah. have these awesome EC comics uh, stills going throughout it and it's you can tell it's people who really love these movies that made them so i really respected it and it's a it's a great gift james thanks uh, you're welcome and one of the, and some of the special features is they made a couple sequels and they did not as in-depth documentaries on but about 30 or 40 minutes each of these sequels that are you know direct to well the second one was released in theaters but the third one wasn't and so they got all these people who played in those to come back on and talk about it. It was really cool. Wow. Um, so I really, it's if even if you don't like these kind of movies, it's kind of cool to see a documentary, treat it, the material seriously enough to make it two and a half hours and you know take you from beginning to end. Yeah. And it was uh, really cool. They even have John Russo, who wrote the original Night Living Dead, who wrote the original screenplay for Return of the Living Dead. And it's, it's a really cool documentary. And uh, I, I recommend everybody check it out. And the last thing I saw was Looper, and um, it's great. Which still. is great. <laughs> and I, I, uh, I, I cried when um, the little boy Sid um, makes the dude blow up, and he's he's crying in the field, and he's covered with blood because he's so scared. I think it's a great moment in movies. Yep. Um, so that's all I saw, except for Les Miserables. Are we going to talk about that first or last? <sighs> Let's talk about Les Miserables. It's horrible. So. I I've never seen Les Miserables. I've never you yeah, know right. I got through all the way through high school and never got dragged into a showing of it and I yeah um, so I had no idea what the story was and whoa is the the earth is shaking it I, what okay I think it's over um that was weird 
So I really didn't know what to expect going into the movie. I I love musicals, I really do. Um, but that said, I haven't seen one in the last uh, ten years that I really enjoyed. Well, I like Sweeney Todd, but still, yeah. Um, I've I've always said that of the last twenty five years, the best musical they've made is South Park, because um, <laughs> I think it's true. Um, I, it, I this it's. I don't get it. I don't get it I either. Don't... I don't understand the appeal to it because obviously it's in the title, but all these characters are miserable. Yeah. And, um, but they're also sort of miserably laid out. Yeah. If I can say like, like, it, you know, it starts with this story, uh, Anne Hathaway's story, Fontaine. She plays this woman who gets fired and, and, and right then I was interested because basically, um, well, you women, skipped the over that, the part where, um, the redemption oh, right. of Jean Valjean, which I thought was interesting too. Yeah, I think again, it, it starts really interesting, and I, I think that the themes and the story that it's trying to tell are all really good. By the time the movie was over, I thought, man, I kind of want to go read the book, um, especially the way that that it ends, like that last sort of big metaphor. I was like, mm-hmm. dude, that's beautiful. Like whoever thought of that is is that's really great writing. Um, but it's the condensing all of that into a play and musical, um, and then trying to what really feels like shoehorn in music to is it, it's nonsense. There's there's really what amounts to maybe five actual songs in the whole movie. Yeah, most of them don't actually reflect anything about the characters. One of them is just about the innkeepers, or you know, yeah, the the innkeepers who have they're they're a plot device more than anything. Yeah, else. because they're not the, even the really only thing, characters. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen and Helen Carter's character is they're in there to break up the tension in the movie because yeah. if they weren't in it the whole movie would just be depressing but the the they break up the tension at the wrong point yeah it's, like, it's I'm, weird. I'm interested in that story and then we have to spend five minutes with them singing this stupid song that again doesn't really have an impact on the story the great thing about the old musicals is that the songs that they're singing are really you know they're revealing something about their character and the problem that they have and and they're doing it in a light-hearted way which is why it can be a good way to to talk about hard issues. Yeah, and um, too, the the director made horrible choices where uh, he'd constantly have the camera at 45 degree angles. Yeah. And then he'd they'd have these like lavish sets that you could tell like this the set of the I guess the square where they had the elephant and oh, yeah. the chair stacked up is big, but he would make these really weird choices where he'd get super close in the actors faces. So they would be singing like on one side of the frame and then the other three quarters of the frame would be out of focus background and empty and you empty. don't even see the background, which so it, it, it fails to give you any sense of place. It doesn't make you feel I like understand the world is what real. he's going for. He wants the performances to be the thing you focus on. But to me, it was incredibly distracting. Yeah. Well, and even like Cora says in her email, it means that that sequence the where, you know, in that trailer that we were constantly mm-hmm. seeing before the theater where we're watching and Hathaway sing her big song, um, I thought, oh man, that looks really good. And if it had been shot from where it was in the trailer, it probably would have been really good. Um, but instead, it's just shot on her, which means that we're just staring there, sitting there, staring at Hannah Hathaway's face, and we don't see a character anymore. It's really just, wow, this is a really good performance from Anne Hathaway, and that mm-hmm. completely ruins the scene. Um, yeah, and even scenes where you know it could have some great tension. Um, Russell Crowe, I don't know if it was his acting choice to do it, but he was really stoic and he didn't move that much yeah. um when he would sing i think i think it's intentional i think he's yeah and but you know it's a guy who lives one way and then 
um, Hugh Jackman's character shows him another way to live. Yeah. And that's so he kills himself because of it. Right. Because Hugh Jackman saved him. Sort of. Sort uh, of. Yeah, it doesn't. It's. It doesn't ring true. Be, partially because the song, the song in quotes, because a lot of the movie, he's they're, they're just singing dialogue. It's not actually it, songs. It'd be so weird, too, because they'd be saying, hey, don't go that way. And yeah. Be, no, exactly. It, they're, it, they're not. It's so annoying. They're not songs. They're just sung dialogue, and that's not a musical. Um, it's opera, but this is not an opera. Um, Isn't that kind of Sweeney Todd, though? No, no, no. Sweeney Todd has spoken sequences. Um, and when you go back to the old musicals, they have spoken sequences. And some of those spoken sequences are the best things about the movie. I thought, no. Nah. Oh, yeah. My memory of Sweeney Todd is they, like, sang every every action no. they were doing, and it was annoying to me. Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. Don't see Les Rock. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because yeah, it really is the, them just singing. And, and it's, it's three not, hours. It's not catchy. It's not, you know, and when they do have a song that starts and starts being like, oh, here's here's a nice little bit. Things that from the trailer, I was telling Ryan before the podcast, every day this week I've been waking up and having those songs stuck in my head for some reason. But all I remember is the little lick from the trailer. I don't remember, like, the whole thing from the movie because <laughs> there is no whole thing from the movie. Like, the little bits in the trailer where I was like, oh, that sounds like that could be a beautiful song. The, the actress sings that once or twice in a row, and then that's it. Well, and, and I, I, you know, a lot of people picked Anne Hathaway's performance, but I thought the one girl who played, uh, uh yes, fuck, no, what's I her agree. name? Uh, um, she's a new, it's her first movie, and she plays, oh man, the cast list is so long. Samantha Barks, she plays, uh, Pip, Pin, uh, she Epona plays, a, or something. yeah, yeah, yeah. She plays the bad, the bad, the baddish. <laughs> that's Zelda's horse's name. I mean, Link's horse's name. Uh, <laughs> which I guess that's the other reason that that the innkeeper's in there is because she's. Yeah, there, but her, her song her parents, where she's but... singing and the camera's actually tracking her is lit really well. Yes, and she sings very well. I think it's the best song in the movie. Yeah, and she's singing out in this like this cold, rainy street, and it looks good. Oh, because that's the other one. So like, there's no there's no dancing or entertainment going on while they sing either. Even though in the sequence where. And Hathaway goes down, and she's going to become a prostitute and mm-hmm. ruin her life. They've got that really cool set where all the hookers are like coming out of the little things, and you know, and it looks like oh, this is going to be really cool. Like they're going to sing this song in here, and it's really going to be epic, and oh, this is going to be great. No, it's really like two ladies sort of pushing her around, singing songs, and I'm, uh, yeah, they might as well have not costumed most of the people from the waist down. Like that's how poorly shot it is. Yep, Lamez <laughs> is not good. It's lay uh, shit. Um, anyway, what so else do you watch this after week? that? <laughs> after that, I really want to watch a good musical, so I went home and watched Guys and Dolls. Nice. Um, and I mean, I also since last we did a podcast, I saw Looper and I we saw uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild and all that stuff. But again, I was sort of tired of 2012 stuff, and so I, as as a way of you know collecting myself again i watched guys and dolls which when i was a kid was one of my favorite movies like there was a time when there was some kid in the world who on his list of top five movies was guys and dolls crocodile dundee and Smokey and the bandit <laughs> like that that is how much i loved guys and dolls there was a day where i was off from school and i cleared all the stuff off my kitchen table and just rolled dice and watched guys and dolls because i was weird anyway <laughs> That movie is fantastic, and what I I haven't seen it in a long time. And what I appreciated this time is that, and maybe this is because of Les Mis, the sequences that aren't sung are really cool, witty sequences where people are telling fun stories, and there's this really good banter, and the characters become well developed, so that then when they sing songs, um, 
the the little intricacies of the things that they're saying and the way that they say them in the song mm-hmm. come to light and yeah, you go exactly. oh oh okay you know he is saying this in the song but we realize from the things he said and the things he's doing that he means something very different um, and that's how musicals function and and what makes them really good because the music becomes dynamic not just catchy and sad um so anyway it was a really good way to sort of reboot myself and be like okay let's let's start loving movies again and not just rating them. Um, I also watched Casablanca cause for Christmas I got that, that big, awesome, maybe the most beautiful DVD set I've ever seen version of Casablanca that comes with like a luggage. Is it really the DVD version? It, yeah, it is only the DVD version cause you can't like Amazon is sold out of the Blu-ray version. Um, it's really hard to get that copy. Eventually I'll replace I it. I waited, man. Well, I got it for Christmas. My parents got it for <laughs> me. You jerk. Your parents should do their homework. No, not <laughs> uh, waste wow, 80 bucks. wow, Brad Collins. Yeah, yeah shit, take that. Fine. fine. Anyway, just and here's the thing. Mm. Casablanca is never going to look that much better on, on Blu-ray. It looks really good on DVD. Uh, in fact, watching it, I'm going, It's it's got to be one of the most beautifully shot movies. Um, it, I, I never noticed this before. Uh, the reason I wanted it for Christmas is it was on TV recently, and I couldn't not keep watching it. Like, you know, it's just the scenes early on where, like, they're just sitting and having drinks. And it was so engrossing. I had to keep watching it. Uh, and what I realized this time is that they did this really cool thing where they clearly, because, you know, it's still made during that time when the sets kind of are crummy and fairly sparse and all of that. Um, but they were doing this thing where right behind the camera they'd have a light, and in front of that light they'd have, like, a the cutout of a palm tree. And then that would cast a shadow over the backs of the characters and make you, it made it feel like there was actually stuff behind the camera that we weren't seeing and that that world was so much bigger because we were seeing the shadows of it in the little set that we had. It was the so awesome. is called a gobo. <laughs> uh, I don't, I, cool. Yep. Film uh, fact. <laughs> Film I, fact. I, I think it's awesome. I and, learned and in just, lighting class. Just in general, the way that they use, he uses, you know, shadows and stuff in that movie. It's, it's gorgeous. Um, and how can you not help but love the last, you know, ten minutes of it? One of the most romantic movies of all time. It is, dude. I was. I, I, I haven't touched. seen it in years. I don't remember anything about it except the ending. Oh man, it's good, man. Anyway, that's pretty much all I saw. Oh no, it's not. I'm totally forgetting a huge thing, man. Uh, I started watching Homeland, um, and then I finished an entire season of Homeland. Uh, that show is great. Um, basically, if you haven't seen it. Uh, it's about this woman who's a CIA agent and there's this, this guy was a POW for eight years and he returns from Iraq and she believes that he is actually a terrorist sleeper agent, um, and is trying to prove that. Um, and the story of how she does that and sort of her relationship with that guy and with that mystery is great. Claire Danes plays the, 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 the main character and, uh, she is really amazing. Um, the thing I will say, because people have been telling me to see the show for a long time and I was hesitant to do so, um, the thing I will say is that it, there is more 24-ness in there than you think. Um, I'm not saying it's, you know, a balls-to-the-wall action, gotta run The guy constantly. who hasn't watched 24. I've seen half of a season, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like... It's not enough. Like, there are... <laughs> I'm just saying that there are explosions in parks and, you know, mm-hmm. more intrigue and, you know, oh, there's snipers out there, we gotta stop him. There's... There's more like actiony, um, um, sort of not adventure stuff, but you know, more action stuff in there than just like this this quiet intrigue and trying to like 
prove that this guy is a terrorist. Um, there is, I've started into season two and, um, I, I'll spoil this one little aspect because I think it, it shines a light on the thing that I'm afraid of this show doing, which is that in the first season, we find out pretty quickly that he, while he was a, a POW, he converted to Islam and he's praying in his ba- in his garage um, and he's hiding that from the rest of his family. And eventually his daughter finds out and then his wife finds out. Um, and what I think would have been interesting, because at this point in the show, he's running for, for office. Uh, he's maybe going to be running for vice president even. Um, and I think it would have been more interesting for them to go to a place where they discuss the fact that like, well, we have to keep this a secret as a family because there is no way you could ever win as vice president if you were actually revealed to be a Muslim. Um, but instead it goes to this weird place of m- making the wife out to be really ignorant. And she's like, she she doesn't understand anything and it's, she's not mad because he's lying she's mad because he's a muslim or some it, it's just weird and it's the kind of stuff that i i was hoping this show would be smarter than um i'm not saying there aren't people like that out there but i didn't believe that these characters were that uh and so it feels very forced it feels like them lecturing me rather than these characters would actually have those opinions um but but that's just one little sliver of of meh in a show that I'm, I'm really enjoying. So if you haven't seen Homeland, you should check it out. And once I catch up on season two, then I'll probably talk about it again. Cause it sounds like the second season is awesome. So cool. That's everything I've been watching. Brad, you guys ready to strap in? Yeah. yeah. Cause I finally started watching stuff <laughs> <laughs> and I've got up to two weeks full of junk so <laughs> let's get the uh some of the unimportant stuff out of the way i rewatched tim and eric's billion dollar movie crap Trim! uh 21 jump street safety not guaranteed great uh talked about all these before um uh star trek 2009 great. and then part of my goal for this year is to rewatch stuff that i haven't seen in a very long time from the you know early 2000s or stuff that i have cast aside as being garbage yeah giving them a second chance this one was not so much that i thought it was garbage the first time around but it was like meh yeah you know and it was called rat race and <laughs> yeah. uh my initial interest in it was because rowan atkinson is you know a character in it and he's barely a character in it <laughs> that's the movie that's like it's a mad 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 world right yeah yeah cuba gooding jr in it cuba gooding jr Whoopi goldberg uh breckin meyer uh seth yeah. green um I yeah, remember just a bunch of ensemble John Lovitz, John Cleese. Yes. Um yeah, it's it's an okay movie. I remember movie. liking that movie. It's it's, it's, just it's basically okay. the same plot. The plot is this, you know, group of billionaires um create this ruse of if they invite these people uh to travel to I forget what southwestern city it is, either Mexico or or New Mexico or Arizona or something. Yeah. There's a locker in a town with $2 million in it or something. Whoever gets there first gets it, you know, puts the key in, you win. And along the, you know, and along the way, all these crazy things happen to all these different people, um, as they're competing to get down there. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Like it's pretty, (laughs) uh, um, probably the most, probably the edgiest part is that, uh, John Lovitz's family, 
uh, goes to like a Nazi museum. <sighs> yes. Yeah, and they steal yes, the Hitler no. car, and um, I forget what happens in the tour of the museum that uh, sparks things off to where they're chasing him. But um, for the most part, a lot of the humor is pretty tame and slapsticky, and it's yeah. it's made by uh, the Zuckers. Who've done oh, nice. like basketball, basketball, and I think oh. the Naked Gun movies. Yep, Is and that they also too? did uh, airplane and airplane stuff. stuff. Yeah, so and yeah, Rowan Atkinson just plays a foreigner who, um, like in each of those people, like teams up with another one. I think Whoopi Goldberg like has a strange daughter or something, but they never really dig too much into their relationship, other than you know we're hey we're mother and daughter and we're teamed up you know <laughs> not to why i yeah. abandoned you or you know whatnot or yeah the feelings i've had about that for the past 30 years of my life uh and then seth green and uh i forget the other guy's name but he plays like his brother who just got a tongue ring so he can't enunciate yes. through most of the movie um i remember when i was 12 thinking that was funny yeah and they play like they pr- try to be a bunch of con artists but they're terrible at it um so yeah that was it was as okay as I remember it. <laughs> yeah. And then um, I watched Explorers, which is an old 80s oh. kid movie about these three uh, kids, three boys in this town who, one is a, a River Phoenix. He's super genius kid who gets picked on at school a lot. And then there's Ethan Hawke, <coughs> who uh, is just the regular kid. Yeah. And then the... Th- Third kid is uh, lives like in a broken household where his dad, uh, I think his mom died, and his dad just has like a stripper girlfriend or something. It comes over. Sorry, hang on a sec. Now, did you watch this? Getting all as, choked up. <laughs> did you watch this because you remembered this as not being very good and you wanted to revisit it? I remembered it as being uh, awesome. Oh, okay. And okay. Uh, I'd say. Everything up to before they go into space is awesome. <laughs> the last half where they meet the aliens and the aliens are pop, pop, pop culture junkies. Yes. And they're one guy, which is Robert Picardo from Voyager. Oh, wow. The doctor in the wow. alien makeup. And he's just, you know, really? riffing on all these different, like, I love Lucy quotes. And, yeah. It's just, all, it's, it's like. And they're just lounging around. <sighs> and then this, like, the nerdy kid is like macking on the female alien like they're kind of nice oh yeah almost getting it on and then the dad alien shows up and it's like you guys got to split and then that's like the end of the movie and then they go back to school and then what ethan hawk falls asleep in class and then they just start flying off into like tron land (laughs) (laughs) what i don't remember this part yeah at the end of the movie like the girl i think passes the note to him and says like do you like me or something or I know your secret or whatever it is. Cause the ship, when they come back crashes in the lake and it's gone forever. Right. Uh, and they have to swim out and she's like off in the distance, like watching it. Cause I forget what makes her come down to the lake to find them doing this. And then she doesn't like say hi or anything. They just go the separate ways. <laughs> but yeah, they're in the classroom at the very end of the movie. And I don't know if Ethan Hawke passes out and has a dream sequence <laughs> or they unlock some kind of code that, uh, relays back to the alien ship, but it pulls them into this like cloud world. And as they're passing over these clouds and they're flying, the kids are like flying in between each other and like horrible green screen. And then the girl's there too, and she grabs Ethan Hawke's hand, and they're flying together. And then below them, 
as the clouds part, there's like the Tron land where it's like a circuit board, glowing circuit board <laughs> with all these and the, in the far in the distance, I think is the alien world. So they don't need the ship anymore. Like they can just through their minds teleport this into is like a director's cut you watch something different right it's the netflix cut. I've, i don't remember <laughs> seeing this at i don't remember all. that any either from like watching as a kid but wow yeah like most of what i remember is them building the awesome what was it called thunder road yeah the first Springsteen song yeah the ship and the ship's awesome and yeah yeah it's a really then, cool design and like a, and a weird idea that's you know and before i watched it, i was like what is the rest of this movie and the rest of the movie is the pop culture aliens and them flying across Tron land. I remembered the pop culture aliens. I did. Yeah, I um, didn't. But I, I, I knew there were aliens in it, but I forget just like how there's a good 30 minutes of them stumbling around this like sewer. Yeah. Looking spaceship. And then Cause there's like giant it, spiders in the sewer, right? Yeah. There's, I think the aliens like that's their, how they move around the ships, even though they can just walk around anyway. That's, I don't know. Uh, you're no, you're no. Yeah, I'm gonna pretend you never said this. That movie's great. It and hurts I'm it never for me. Gonna watch it again. Um, <laughs> so that's Explorers. <laughs> Not as awesome as I remember it, unfortunately. Oh, Aww. I also finished watching The Secret of Kells, which is a I forget what country it's from. Um, yeah. It's Norse, I think. One of those. Yeah, maybe Norway or something. Sorry. I really should do my research before I do this. <laughs> I've got like 20 movies going through. Uh, it's an animated film. It's beautiful. The animation is very stylish. It's very unique. Um, didn't we talk about this before? Did you fall asleep or something? Yeah, I, d- I didn't finish it. Yeah, okay. Um, like, I don't know if I fell asleep or my attention got turned away because it wasn't that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I finished it and I still don't like, okay, I watched it. <laughs> it, it. Like every frame of it is arranged like a work of art, but the story-wise, it's just... There's this book, and there's this invading horde of bad invading people, <laughs> and they're trying to like stop invading. a prophecy. I don't know. Who are you? We're bad invading people. <laughs> We're the yeah. bad invading people. Like they're just constantly stressing out about like they're the horde is coming, and they'll be here in like a week or something. And then later on, it's like they're gonna be in three days, um, and they're trying to fulfill some kind. Of, I don't. I was lost. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Um. So I also watched. I also finished watching Fitzwilly because I did fall asleep with that and didn't get back to it. Um, and you should be interested to know that the, it is scored by a young Johnny Williams. <laughs> what? Yes. So, He's credited as Johnny Williams. That's right. And did I to see where his hat backwards. I think this and, is like, from 1961 yeah, or something. An article where they mentioned that. Yeah. About him. Huh. Um, first, at first, I was like, "Well, that seems really." Like, Johnny Williams is probably someone else, but listening to the score, I was like, there's a lot of stuff I've heard from a lot of Spielberg movies yeah. in it. So, it's probably him. And then I, I I think I looked it up and it was confirmed, but... Yeah, it's probably some other guy named John Williams who's just like, fuck, I can't <laughs> name myself John Williams. That bastard took it from me. I guess I'll be the cooler, under, uh, younger brother. But anyway, to the story part of it, um, I enjoyed it the second time around because I was able to... Stay focus awake. On, stay awake, focus on it. <laughs> There's like this big elaborate end sequence at the, like a, a Macy's of the time. Um, huh. The plan is very, like very intricate. Like they think it up at the last minute. I don't know what Fitzwillie is. Oh, okay. So Fitzwillie, Dick Van Dyke is oh. this guy, Fitzwillie. He's the uh, butler... He's the head of like all oh, yeah, the servants in a household. Uh, the woman, 
yes. Has, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm explaining right. to the people at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this woman. She has no fortune to her name, but fits Willie because this woman adopted her and made him the head of the servants and whatever. He feels obligated to help her out. So this whole time, he's been orchestrating all these thefts with right. the rest of the servants to maintain some semblance of wealth so that she never finds out that she's poor. Right. So, uh, and they're living a good life. Everyone's, everything's fine. So why mess that up? But then Barbara Eden, or not Barbara Eden, um, Barbara Feldon shows up. Uh, I forget what her job is, but she's doing some kind of, oh yeah, she's helping the old woman write a, a type of dictionary where. Like a thesaurus? It, it they write out every different type of spelling for a word, a so you can, so you can like reverse look it up. Oh, what? Yeah, I forget what some of the words were, but like a bad dictionary. Like think of Mis- I don't know spelling dictionary. Yeah, like a, for people who misspell stuff, like you could. I'm trying to find a word like business. So the word business, they'll find they'll think of every weird way you could spell it, and then like re-reference, like link it to the right spelling. Why would you need one of those? For, it's you know how in school they tell you to go look it up in the dictionary if you don't know how to spell it? like how the fuck no. if you can't spell it <laughs> are you supposed to find it in the dictionary no this is how you do it you find you write down all the misspelling ways and then you section them together towards just, the right one I was just born with an immaculate vocabulary so I don't understand nice anyway this isn't school so uh yeah then uh her being around the house all the time starts she starts to find out that all the staff are doing all these crimes. Right. Um, and then she like falls in love with Dick Van Dyke for some reason, just out of nowhere. I don't know. <laughs> they hate each other for most of the movie. And then all of a sudden there's a scene where they go to dinner and like they're in love with each other and they want to spend the rest of their lives together. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Thief with a heart of gold type thing. And at the end, uh, their plan falls through and they orchestrate this huge theft to rectify everything. And it was pretty entertaining. Cool. So that's Fitzwilly. I also got a chance to watch Troll 2. <laughs> Ooh. Now, I saw Best Worst seen, Movie. Yeah, okay. Which made me want to watch Troll 2. And Troll 2 is as bad as they say. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, there's no trolls in it. They're just goblins. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've mostly erased it from my mind. Like, <laughs> it's one of those things where you feel infamous like. infamous for being so bad. Yeah, this family goes on vacation to. Uh, was it cat? No, it's what's a like a timeshare, I guess. And the other family goes to their house for vacation. Which, what? Yeah, that's not a thing. Um, timeshare swap. Hey, hey, stranger, come live at my house and break my shit. No, <laughs> there's some woman who runs, I think, a a, a cult church. <laughs> I think it was. And if you drink something, you turn into a plant monster. <laughs> And then the goblins eat you. Um, yeah. Uh, is it one of those things where you feel And like then the you... little kid, only the little kid can see his dead grandfather. Um, and the dead grandfather gives him hints on how to defeat the goblins throughout the movie. And then at one point he's real. Like he shoots one with a shotgun. I don't. <laughs> I was like <laughs> typing and then focusing on the movie. And then like, this is stupid. I'm going to go back. And then like stop. You know, there'd be some weird thing happening. Like, I can't believe I'm watching this. And then I go back. Yeah. It's one of those things where you feel like you should just watch Best Worst Movie and then not 
see Troll 2? Best Worst Movie is a better movie than well, Troll Well, yeah, but, but Best Worst Movie also highlights some of the awful things that are in Troll 2. So, What's your question again? Well, like, like, is it really worth seeing Troll 2, or can you just watch Best Worst Movie and know, like, okay, well, there are no go- it's all about goblins yeah. and not trolls, and the guy who made it is a crazy pants, and there's this whole thing about people turning into plants, and yeah. Because I know I I know a lot of those elements uh, because I saw Best Worst Movie. Yeah, so. you could you could pretty much just by watching Best Worst Movie, you can pretty much watch Troll Two. Yeah, <laughs> like they they cover everything you need and without the just okay. awful dialogue and uh, the uh, you shouldn't piss on hospitality line makes more sense watching the movie than it does the oh. way they explain it in the documentary. Oh, okay. So, uh, it's, well, shoot, I the context is better, but. Um, <laughs> I, I definitely see why it would be a fun midnight movie. Yeah. Because you could make fun out of a lot of it. Yeah. Really easily. Um, that sounds familiar. So, uh, I also saw Radio Land Murders. I've never seen that. Is it good? It's all right. It's good. a slapsticky uh, goofball. Uh, it's it's admirable how much they, how uh, lovingly they treat the 19... 19- 20s and 30s radio era yeah um the murder mystery isn't that satisfying when you find out who it is at the end because mm. he's the old guy in a mask no okay it's uh Spoilers. spoiler alert the guy in the radio booth who's apparently was working with a bunch of the characters in the past but you never really feel that set up oh, at least i didn't catch it cool. at the and then you know everyone's worried about transitioning to television and whatnot um but there's a lot of uh like a lot of character actors in it uh that are big stars today um like uh a lot of people from arrested development uh what's it who plays george isn't it a robert redford film no no i don't mean that he's in it i mean didn't he make it who made it uh i don't think it's a i don't it wasn't like a standout name director huh um but it's it's a huge ensemble cast like uh Bobcat Goldthwait's in it, and uh, is it in his Brian Ben Ben's like, like the main character? <laughs> kind of. Uh, he's one of the like staff writers for the show. And it's it's very fast paced. Like, um, it's constantly like characters are moving and interacting, and uh, you know, performing slapstick gags and uh, oh, it's people are dying left and right. Story by George Lucas. That's what I'm thinking of. I knew there was like some big name person on there. That was a George Lucas story. Story by George Lucas, scripted oh. by like four other people, but story by George Lucas. Yeah, uh, it was fun, um, but that didn't like stick with me. Yeah, um, I watched a movie called Griff the Invisible. What? Which is a Australian movie. No. About uh, the lead is a guy from True Blood, uh, but his character the, what who the hunky one, the one who like. Is like the brother of Sookie. <laughs> oh, like, oh okay. with like all, all right, the chicks. All right, all right. I don't know where, I yeah. know where we're at now. Yeah. In a different turn, he plays a very socially awkward nerd. Huh. Um, who has a job at a tech company as I think shipping processor. Yeah. Um, and he is so far removed from reality. Uh, he gets picked on by this guy at the job constantly, and then when he goes home. He just takes care of the neighbor, like the block of his neighborhood, as Griff the Invisible, his alter ego. Um, and it's cool how a lot, a lot of the movie will 
like it sets it up that he's really like he's got a suit of armor and he's skilled at martial arts and uh, has this whole uh, computer set up that allows him to detect criminals and crime going on in uh, the city. And oh. as, as the movie goes on, you find out that all this is just in his head. It's all fake. Like he's just got like cardboard boxes as computers oh. and he has like a mannequin with like a shitty costume over it. When you said he was taking care of like the block he lives on, I thought you meant like he was like mowing the little green areas and like sweeping the sidewalks. And oh, you mean like he's being a superhero? Yeah, he's trying to fight oh. crime. Sorry. Oh, okay. Whoo, man. You look so bored right now. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, sorry. I wish I watched more interesting movies. I don't tell you. Um, but I actually really enjoyed this for the fact that um, part of the other story is that his he has this best friend who is kind of taking care of him, like. They give you the idea that he's his delusions have gotten him into trouble before, so like he's had to help him restart his life in this new like new shipping job yeah. and everything. Uh, but the guy won't let go of trying to be a superhero. And then this guy, his friend, is dating this other girl uh, for no other reason other than like she's pretty. Uh, and this is girl there reason to date a girl. Nee. <laughs> uh, the cool thing is like. The girl that plays this other girl who is a little bit, is socially awkward, but not quite as much as Griff, uh, but she plays this version of a girl nerd that you would never see in real life. Um, she is so... Uh, like it's over the top? N- no, it's like, it's the ideal like girl who is totally supportive of this guy's issues. Um, that she's willing to do go to great lengths to to encourage the delusion. Oh, okay. Um, like I was saying before, the way he sees things as being real that aren't. Uh, at one point, like she, she's also a big science nerd, like down to like the molecular molecular science of things. And her thing is, she believes that she can pass through walls. <laughs> So she'll sit or she'll sit uh, like against the wall for hours, trying to find the right moment where she can pass through it. And at one point, she finally does. And that's the confusing thing in this movie is by the end, they reveal that everything's fake, but she can still actually pass through walls. What? Yeah, it's bizarre. That's and weird. then she makes uh, this cloak for him that he like he so he can actually be invisible. Um. And so it totally has me going that she can do this. And then by then the movie, it's just like a poncho that's like got the galaxies spray painted <laughs> on it. Um, uh. But yeah, she, the way she constantly encourages him to believe that he's a superhero is like something I would never believe any girl in this world would do <laughs> to the lengths that she does it. Yeah. And then eventually like she gets exposed by his friend, like they're talking in the car and he can hear through the radio that she's like, you know, I don't care. Like he needs this. And you know, we live in a world where everything's real and you know, why can't we have, why can't people leave us alone and believe what we want to believe and stuff. And, um, yeah. Cool. I also saw OSS 117 Nessa spies, which I, I've talked about the other one on the show. I forget the name of it, but it's, uh, Jean Desjardins from the artist. Right. It's uh, another Michelle Hanavicious, uh, you know, it's like the French Austin Powers. <laughs> right. Uh, French James Bond spoof. Uh, this one, again, was funny. The, one of the best gags is that uh, he has a buddy 
in his past that at the beginning of the movie told he's died and he, he ran a um, chicken manufacturing business. Chick, chicken slaughter house. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's a chicken manufacturer. Yeah, yeah okay. I forget the actual name they used in it. It's, Meat it's goes in, money. chickens come out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, he out? <laughs> he is sent to replace him in you know as the foreman, but he's uh, through that disguise. He's going to find out what the plan, why the guy was killed, and everything. And uh, throughout the the movie. He flashes back to when he was hanging out with his buddy, and they flash back to them like playing on the beach, uh, like throwing balls to each other or playing tennis. And uh, the buddy would always like trip and fall into the water or something, and then he would laugh at him, and they'd laugh together. And then by the end of the movie, obviously that guy is not dead; he's the actual villain. So he shows up, yeah. And then the way he remembers is like, yeah, you were like a total dick to me. <laughs> I would fall over, and you just laugh at me while I'm like. <laughs> It's not high thought at all. Yeah, and the, yeah, so that's one of the better gags and uh Yeah, just a fun thing. I is it all in French? Uh, it is all in French. I'm not going so to you have to read it's subtitles. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, it's for free. Just oh, okay. check it out. It's 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 really funny. I forgot most of the jokes, but um I also watched Batman Mask of the Phantasm. It's a good one. And Yeah. That's a really good one. Uh and I totally forgot the uh the opening of the the movie is um it doesn't sound spectacular but it's amazing because it's like a 3d pan of gotham city with the score going and it just like really sets up this moody tone to the whole movie it's just fantastic um that's on netflix right i don't know i have the dvd so i don't remember it being on there the fun thing though is the dvd is set to autoplay so when I was watching it at night and then uh, it would go back to the menu when it was done, like after a minute, it would just start playing the movie again. <laughs> so like when I, after I fell asleep all through the night, it was playing the movie over and over again. So I woke up to it and then I just watched it again because <laughs> I was too lazy to change it. Yeah. So, cool. um, but it's kind of annoying that it's like just kept going and going and I watched the movie like three or four times. Um, I also caught Hyde Park on Hudson. Okay. Which is a recent film from 2012. Um, saw it at the theater and it was meh. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's half historical drama where, you know, the uh, King of England, sh- you know, comes to America. Right. Um, and uh, FDR shows him all these, you know, supports him, tries to give him confidence like, hey, you know, believe in yourself because you can be a great king. I believe in you. Um, no real reason why. Just, you know, just yeah. to encourage him. Um, and then meanwhile, was it Laura Linney? Yep. Yes. Is his cousin, like fifth removed cousin or something. She's, uh, hangs around him and like in the first 10 minutes, you know, he, uh, she finds out that he's into her and she gives him a hand job in the car. What? In a field. Um, yeah, oh. that dirty dog FDR. So that was yeah. awkward. Yeah, dirty dog FDR. This and then later she right finds out that it. she's not the special one that he has led her on to believe. Like apparently, a lot of FDR servants. Uh, he has this house in the countryside that he told her that if you ever want to come here on your own, you're welcome to. It's yours too. 
and apparently he's told all the girls that because <laughs> she goes there and then he finds uh him fucking another girl there is that true did he like have a whole bunch of like i guess the premise behind this off? is that this woman that she plays uh when she died they found a shoebox full of like all her letters to fdr huh um so i don't know i didn't read the book that's based on it might have been made up she could have been like had this fantasy that she was writing about or it was real whatever (laughs) uh but that's the basically most of the movie is fdr interacting with the king of england and them trading, <laughs> trading banter, getting <laughs> the field, and the other half is uh, her moping around while the party's going on, com- you know, being sad that she wasn't invited. Weird. And it was just a misunderstanding. Yeah, that doesn't sound as good as that trailer. Looks. It's short. Yeah, it's it's not like this historical epic that I imagine it would yeah, be. I heard a lot of bad things about it. I wouldn't say it's bad. It's just kind of bland. You know, I mean, Bill Murray's good playing FDR without any use of his legs is pretty good acting. Polio's <laughs> um, a bitch. Yeah. No, there's, this, there's this really, yeah, was really good at there's this really nice scene where he's bond, uh, bonding with the king and, uh, you know, in order to make him feel more comfortable, you know, it's like, I'm hit, you know, you feel handicapped with your stutter. Look what I have to deal with. And yeah. he like gets up out of the chair and starts like lifting himself across the table, like using the mm-hmm. table to swarm himself to get to his desk. Yeah. And, um, you know, get to a stamp collection and stuff, but you know, it's like, yeah, your stutter sucks, but look what I have to do. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, f- I fight this battle. Look how hard it is for me to get to my stamp collection. Yeah. Um, cool. And then finally, I watched K-Pax again. <laughs> is that, that's one that you are revisiting because you remember it being bad. No, I really uh, like that movie. I do too. Back in the day. And I remember it being really long back then. And this time it was really brief for me. Yeah. And also, I wasn't as focused back then on the message it was trying to convey. I was more uh, focused back then on all the quirky things that Kevin Spacey would do as yeah. an alien. Um, but the uh, ending hasn't changed for me. I still can see it as being either way, going either way. Oh yeah, I thought sure. that movie was really boring. <laughs> I like that movie. Yeah, a lot. And the mystery is kind of okay. Yeah, maybe um, I need to watch it again. I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, yeah. For those of you listening, if you haven't watched K Pax, it's a story of uh, Kevin Spacey is pro. He just materializes. He just shows up at the Grand Central Station one day, and he just inadvertently falls into the middle of a crime scene where a woman gets her purse stolen. And because of the uh, way he talks about himself, the police decide he should be arrested. And after a few months, he is taken to a psychiatric ward where um, he is held and then has to meet with Jeff Bridges, um, who, between the two of them, you know, Jeff Bridges... My favorite line is, like, uh, Jeff Bridges keeps asking him questions, and then uh, they're kind of obvious questions, and then finally Prote says, you know, for an educated individual... I forget Jeff Bridges' character's name. I think it's Martin? Mark? Yeah. Um, For an educated individual, you sure ask a lot of questions, or, like, (laughs) obvious questions or something. Uh, and so they get to know each other and, uh, yeah, just Prote's observations of certain, yeah. uh, and then he's able to, I don't know. It's hard to believe that he's able to, based on what you find out his background being, that he's able to predict that there's this galaxy that he's from the way that the New York observatory is able to do the mathematics and line up the graph to find it and all the, you know, 
What were the scientists are like, met, like mystified by how can you know this? And yeah, the sort of heartwarming part of it is just that he then promises that he wants to take somebody with him when he leaves, and then this whole this the, That's the a way beautiful that he moment. sort of touches the lives of the people around him in that in that. Uh, oh yeah, another great line is yeah. Uh, you know, Jeff Bridges is saying, stop helping these people. That's my job. And he's like, well, if it's your job, why don't you, why haven't you helped them yet? Yeah. yeah. It's good. But it's a good movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's it's not as great as I remember it. I wasn't in as, as as enamored, but it's, I think it's still worth a watch, even though you think it's boring. Meh. Um, and what happens I, at the end? I forget. He just, just kidding. <laughs> it's like Mad Men. Yeah, I can't really tell happens. if he's catatonic on purpose because he's trying to help everybody. Because uh, he has nothing else to do in life after what happened, or um, is there no commentary on the DVD? There is, and I have yet to watch it. Hmm. Maybe they'll explain it for you. Yeah, um, and say after to. the credits because there's a throwaway scene of Jeff Bridges staring through a micro uh, telescope at the sky. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, uh, sorry, one more thing: Todd Margaret season two is on Netflix, and that show is really funny. And unfortunately, they knew they were getting canceled. Uh, so the sixth episode is like just ties everything up so fast that it's terrible. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Yeah, I keep meaning to watch that show. So what else is the rest of the show? Is that <laughs> yeah. a, are we done tonight? Uh, uh, it's box office number time. Oh yeah! This is the box office stats. Uh, the Hobbit won again. Yep. With thirty-one one million dollars, about thirty-two million, yeah. Uh, followed by Django Unchained and Les Misérables, and also what was the other one? Parental guidance. Parental guidance came out. Uh, the highest-grossing Christmas ever, wow. week ever, and it also made the year, and is the highest-grossing year, not only in money but also in attendance. Uh, Skyfall also, since we last talked, was is now the first Bond movie to break a billion dollars. Congratulations. Just, yeah. So lots of good things going on in Hollywood, which means they'll just keep on making hopefully good movies like that. Yeah, for sure. Which, you know, I would like to see. Box Office Mojo supplies us with all the box office numbers. Thank you, boxofficemojo.com. Now it's DVD and Blu-ray time. DVD releases and Blu-rays. What's coming out, James? Something good, I hope. There's a bunch of stuff this week. Really? Yes. Like what? Because <laughs> um, I didn't see anything. Okay. Well. Dread comes Dread's out this fun. week. Dread's all right. Yeah, I want to see Dread. At least worth um, a rental. Yeah. Frankenweenie? Nope. You're, well, well, yeah, I haven't something. seen it. But yeah, yeah. this is finally Brad's chance to see Frankenweenie. There you go. Um, do you remember that Nicolas Cage movie, Stolen? No. Neither does anyone else, but it comes out this week. <laughs> I saw the poster in the theater, Yeah, but I never I saw it in it. theaters. Did it ever come ever out in the theater? Out. I don't think so. I don't think it did. Um, They're not here. that. Even though it didn't, though, Hit and Run did come out in theaters, which is that Kristen Bell and the, her boyfriend, what's his name? Dax Shepard. Shepherd. Um, I wanted to see it. Yeah, I did too. I don't think it's going to be good, but I want to see well, it. You know, when it's a dollar at Redbox, I'll get it. There you go. Hold on, um, quick aside, that'll cut out. I keep forgetting to tell you, Kristen Bell's in Safety Not Guaranteed. Is she? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And her eyes are perfect. Um, <laughs> time to jerk off to that movie. Oh, and Aaron Paul's in K-Pax. Oh, wow. He's oh. the... Uh, Jeff Bridges is a strange son. Huh, I don't remember that. Uh, House at the End of the Street, which is that Jennifer Lawrence uh, runs around movie where she like crawls through windows and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Got um, horrible reviews. Yeah. It was made uh, like a year ago or something. Uh, it had a horrible poster. Man. 
Um, Compliance, which is that movie where a girl takes her clothes off a lot. Um, she does it once, and she's topless for a while, but... Yeah, but isn't she, like, naked the rest of the movie? No. Like, they, they hide. Oh. They they cleverly hide some of it, well, the most that's of it. that's historically inaccurate. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> Samsara, which is, like, a that meditation movie from last year, which is a lot of pretty shots of stuff. Um, so if you want to see that, people told me to watch that movie. I can't. I know. Sounds um, like another Tree of Life. <laughs> no, I, I think see. Tree of Life has more plot than Samsara does. <laughs> like, Samsara is really just... A big you know, B-roll movie? Yeah. Well, and I guess it ends up being, like, about, <laughs> you know, uh, we should be better to the, the life earth and stuff. Mm-hmm. No, I did no. see the trailer at one of my... Some movie I saw, it, and it looked beautiful. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. The, the like, the images I've seen look like they are well shot. Yeah. They are, there is no story. It is. I mean, there sort of is where they're trying to convince you that we should be better to the earth, but whatever. Cares about the earth. <laughs> um, game change, which is that uh, that um, miniseries about like Sarah Palin and crap that she they're going to make sequels to. Um, yeah, I don't know. People say it's really good. I have no interest in seeing that. Um, I mean, unless you guys do, you want? <laughs> no, okay. Like Julianne Moore. Uh, and I lived it. I'm good. <laughs> I watched it happen. I actually tried not to watch Train it. Trainwreck. Uh, and then the third season of Archer comes out this week, which is maybe the best thing out this week. Hmm. Yeah. So nice. go check that stuff out. And we didn't do one for last week, but uh, the third season of Justified and Looper, technically, came out last week. So if you still haven't picked those up, run, don't walk. All the fantastic. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, that's DVD and Blu-ray releases. Unspool Real News, James. It's real news. Just putting it all on you this week. I just say that's how I'm going to do it. Yeah, you are. Um, there's not a lot of stuff to talk about because there's not been a lot of news. Um, a lot of just weird casting news that's not even really news where they're like, well, so-and-so is not going to be in the Captain America sequel, which is obvious because that character is going to be crazy old and would be Isn't she by dead? Him. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. She'll... I think that, that character is dead. No, she's... She, like, there needs to be a scene where he goes to see her, but she will be, you know... Um, On life support. Crazy so. old. Yeah. Like, it's not... Anyway. And he'll bring the shield and accidentally unhook her, and he'll feel really bad about it. Yeah. They um, just deleted that scene. So the one thing that we should talk about uh, is that in two weeks, they are going to reopen the Cinemark 16, uh, which is where the the shooting after or during the Dark Knight back in, um, in July, uh, where, unfortunately, uh, a bunch of people, uh, amongst them being Alex Sullivan, our friend, uh, was killed. Um and it's it's turned into quite a controversy because um Cinemark invited the all of the family who were touched by this to come and see a movie that night and come to the, and they they sort of wanted to make it a remembrance ceremony that's how they've been selling it um and i think a lot of people have taken this as them uh almost i don't know trying to rub their nose in it or mm-hmm. like it, it's it's made a bunch of people mad, and unfortunately, I think the the only side of this that that people are seeing or that the news is covering is this idea that people are just furious, and maybe the majority of them are. Um, but especially after talking to Tom Sullivan on the show and 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 seeing what he's gone through and all of that, 
um, I was furious. I was watching these interviews, and I'm going, what What are you talking about? Like, why are you mad about this? And what would you rather they do? Um, well, so a I lot was, of people would rather just demolish the theater. Yeah, but then that kid wins one more stupid thing. Like, it's not... Why are we giving that guy any victories? It should be something that we can move on from. I, I We don't need to be afraid of him. He's done, mm. you know? Um, anyway, all of that said, uh, the next day... Um, Tom Sullivan wrote an article that was published in the Denver Post, which is fantastic and I think sums up everything about how I feel and I'm I would assume you guys are pretty much in line with that. Um that, you know, going to the movies is something that we we enjoy and we have fun with and that's what these people were doing that night. Um and and to try and let this horrible thing get in the way of that seems very disrespectful to the memory of the people who were doing that you know and i'm not saying that everybody grieves the same and that everybody should be out there going to see this movie i understand if that's not something you feel like you can do um but cinemark is not i I don't think doing wrong by anybody by by opening that up and saying here here's something we're going to offer um I, i think it would be much worse for there to be an empty building standing there for the rest of eternity um i agree you know, it's just it's a it's a crummy situation, and getting angry and hateful about it uh, over the wrong reasons is, I think, the the wrong way to react. I think I read somewhere that some of the backlashes that Cinemark didn't reach out when things went down initially, um, and now they're only reaching out now that they want to reopen their theater and promote that it's open again. Um, like they're exploiting it that way, but also at the same time, like I understand that they, they can't really contact the families at the time because if they say anything uh, yeah. wrong, they could get sued. I don't. Yeah, I don't. So know that's probably why they didn't reach out initially. Yeah, I don't even know what 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 could they have done. What you know? Um, yeah, it sounds horrible. It's offered not, more it's, free it's, movies I mean, back in July. Cin- no, 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 no. You that's know, not, that's really offensive. It's yeah. not Cinemark's fault. No, you know, it's no, so, no, 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 and it's not the fault of anybody who worked there no. or anybody who designed that. But you know, it's not. Um, but it's only one person, so yeah, uh, and that's why it, it it feels like if we um, if we let that grow into anything more than simply the grief over having something really horrible happen to us, um, then that guy achieves something that he that's what he was out to do. Um, so anyway, all of this is to say don't even listen to us go uh, read tom sullivan's article you can find it on our facebook page you can find it on the denver post it's fantastic um really moving a great guy go listen to our interview as well um and then you know think about things and even if you don't want to go that's cool but uh don't be mad about it yeah i don't think i'd go anyway <laughs> yeah regardless of my stance i i just wouldn't feel comfortable going there. So that's a hurdle yeah. they have to overcome is Oh absolutely. It's open but who wants to really go? Yeah. Which is, is is a fine way to look at it. Um but I don't think getting mad about it um or writing hateful letters to anybody is the right way to react. But uh again, you know, I'm I'm not trying to tell anybody how to grieve. But uh anyway, that's the saddest news we've ever done. <laughs> James is really good at sad news. Yeah. Is that all the news? Yeah, it's, it's pretty much news. all the news. Everyone's on vacation. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. there really is. Like, Working stiffs like us have to work yeah. during holidays, but... Oh, well, there doesn't. was... There's a Red Band trailer for The Evil Dead that came out today. Oh, you got to check that out. It's awesome. It's so creepy. 
the little monologue that lady has is intense at the beginning. Yeah. Man. So yeah, check it out. It looks terrible. Really excited for that movie. Didn't think I would be, but I am. Really? Yeah. I, I'm always hesitant um because I thought they might, you know, make it wussy or something, but they're not. That's definitely not what they're no, doing. So they and I, I should have known better. The problem because, might go the other way because uh, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell are both executive producers on it, so I yeah. should have known better. Um, cool. cool. So it's comic book corner time. What's up, nerds? It's the comics corner. Uh, this uh, week, uh, I, I did it. Uh, I did it the previous week, but I'm gonna do it again this week because. Can I do it? You fuck. have one? I have one, yeah. Dude, yeah. I have a great recommendation. But Fine, it, fuck. You know, the end of Amazing Spider-Man happened, but yeah, let's listen to Brad's mic drop. End of the, Didn't end you of talk Amazing about that like three weeks ago? End, of, weeks end ago? of Amazing Spider-Man is shit. Yeah, go, go, ahead. What, go ahead, Brad. No, that's fine. That's no, pretty important. No, go ahead. No. <laughs> I wrote an article about it. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to recommend uh, your Christmas present to me, which was Batman Earth One. Oh, nice. Graphic novel by Jeff Johns and... Fuck, I sorry. Gary Frank was it? Gary, yeah, Gary Frank. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's a you know self-contained tale of um, a different origin story for Bruce Wayne, Batman. Uh, that was surprisingly really like I started reading it and I was just sucked into it. I couldn't put it down. Nice. I didn't think like oh another retelling in a different way of Batman's origin. It's not, it's not like, dramatically different, but the way they weave in. Uh, Characters like the uh, Oswald Cobblepot is the mayor of Gotham at the time, mm. and he is actually directly connected to Bruce Bruce Wayne's parents being murdered. Um, and uh, Alfred is isn't just a butler; he's a friend of Thomas Wayne, um, and uh, he, like he's got the British military background. Mm. Uh, and the way he's t- like adopts Bruce Wayne and. He doesn't have a very good relationship with them growing up either. Like they're really at odds most of the time. And then this great, there's this great reveal as to why Alfred's rocking a cane in the book. Uh, What else? Um, It it begins with uh, like Batman's first costume and all the failures it has while he's trying to chase down a certain character. Um, Yeah. It was really engrossing and, uh, like the the unraveling the mystery of like it's not just Bruce Wayne's parents weren't just a random death like it is pretty orchestrated um at the highest levels of Gotham and I forget uh I feel bad saying I forget cuz it's such a good story but yeah <laughs> uh Jim Gordon's role in uh helping him unravel it. oh and Harvey Dent oh actually probably the greatest thing is they put Harvey Bullock in, Bullock in it as Harvey a Bulk. Harvey Bullock oh oh okay yeah He's in the story as a former television show host who, for like crime mysteries or something, he's a big celebrity, jackass, like very arrogant, pompous guy. Um, He transfers to Gotham PD and becomes Jim Gordon's partner. And um, as he unravels the mystery, the climax makes him so jaded, it drives him to drinking. And so you can see like how he becomes like the fat slobby Oh, cool. Cynical cop. Like, huh. he, it doesn't get to that point in the book, but you right. can see, knowing his character from the comics and everything in the animated series, like, where it's going to go, like, how this drives to it, because the uh, kidnapping of girls... Oh, yeah, and Barbara Gordon's in it, um, and it's kind of does her origin as Batgirl a little bit. 
Um, and but she's involved in the kidnapping of like she gets kidnapped as part of like the kidnapped girls who are slain and stuff, and it's pretty dark stuff. Cool. Um, I almost uh, I almost picked up the because there's a a animated film version of it as well now. A Earth um, One. No, sorry, I'm thinking a Year One. There's a Year, year one. one. Yeah, I think they're making an Earth One as well. Um, oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I know it was really well received. I picked it up for you because I it got graphic novel of the year on IGN. Yeah. Oh wow. So I was like, oh, I'll get it. And you like Batman. <laughs> and I'm glad it was good. It didn't seem like it was that long, but there was that much story in it. Yeah. Wow. Is I'm it, is it long? That's cool. It didn't it seemed really thin. Yeah, it's thin, but like, I don't know. The way it's laid out and hmm. I it just seemed I and I read comics fast too, so Yeah. It was hmm. jam packed with I guess there's a lot of flashbacks and stuff, and so maybe that's it. Hmm. Seems like it. Um, but yeah, highly cool. recommended. Cool. You should just do yours too. I don't know. No, it's all right. It's whatever. It's Spider-Man, Spider-Man Seven Hundred and something. You're, I'm sure you've been dying to complain about. Uh, just fucking do it. <laughs> Jeez, wow. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm actually gonna not recommend Spider-Man 700. What? <laughs> oh, surprise. Uh, only because, I mean, if you want to read the bastardization of a total Spider-Man character that is Spider-Man, then go ahead and read Spider-Man 700. My biggest problem with it, and I kind of mentioned in an article I wrote, is Dan Slott is so in love with the character of Otto Octavius that I I actually kind of, I said how the story was going to end before it ended. Because I was reading, they changed it to not amazing anymore. It's called the news title Superior Spider-Man. And the way he was, um, I guess I should have the story. Anyways, Doc Ock is dying. And his previous endgame, which was like 10 issues before this, was he was going to kill millions of people. And he was doing this by heating up the ultraviolet rays of the sun and make people melt, basically. Spider-Man stops him. but uh, And he, instead of letting Doc Ock die, um, Spider-Man, you know, he doesn't do that. He saves the dying doctor and he puts him in the super villain prison. Well, Doc Ock has a last end game where he sends out a little Octobot, which is a little octopus robot. And it's able to switch his brain with Peter Parker's brain. So Peter Parker is in Doc Ock, like his brains in Doc Ock. So basically Peter Parker is inside of Dr. Octopus's dying body. Uh, and not the physical brain itself. It's just like the memories. The and, memories, yeah. yeah. It's like a memory transplant. All of the stuff that makes you who you are. Exactly. So now Peter uh, Peter Parker is actually Otto Octavius and Otto Octavius is actually Peter Parker in their mind. So Peter figures out that he can break out of this prison by getting a bunch of villains to help him. And I mean, the premise is interesting and uh, but I don't like um, Doc Ock for the first two parts of this three part thing is trying to get to sleep with Mary Jane again because he thinks that Peter couldn't believe that this model like Mary Jane isn't going to sleep with it. He turned her down. And so it's really weird because it's basically like he's I, I don't want to say rape, but he's using Peter Parker's memories and her vulnerability towards Peter to get in her pants. What's well, it's a really weird that's skeezy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so Peter develops, he's he's like, I'm as smart as Doc Ock, so I'm going to develop the same thing. I'm going to take the one he used, I'm going to bust out of here, I'm going to find him, and we're going to switch brains again. And so there's this huge battle, and 
Doc Ock as Spider-Man. There's some. There, there's a couple moments I do like. I do like that um, Doc Ock as Spider-Man realizes that Spider-Man was always holding back. Like he would never use the full breadth of his strength or his powers because he knew that if he punched someone as hard as he could, it seriously hurt him. In the book, Doc Ock as Spider-Man punches a scorpion so hard he busts. He, his jaw gets punched off. So, dude, yeah. So, I mean, stuff like that's interesting because, you know, it's showing how good of a character Peter is, is that he would never use his powers to be superior over everybody else. He was holding back to, yeah. Exactly. So there's this big battle between decrepit Peter Parker as Doc Ock and superior Spider-Man, and they're fighting, and um, the Octobot gets on the back of Doc Ock, but Dr. Octopus has realized that Peter might do that, so he put some, like adamantium like plate in the back so the so the octobot couldn't get through so peter falls down and he's dying and peter realizes that he's beat and he tells doc ock that now that you have all my memories you have to carry on you have to carry on the spider-man name because i've worked too hard to make me who i am for you to ruin it but why would doc ock do that exactly what he has no reason to do it and he so in three pages they flash back peter's Life, but with Doc Ock in his life. And in three pages, he goes from, I don't know, in comic book time a week ago, mi- going to murder millions of people, to all of a sudden deciding he's going to be a better Spider-Man than Peter Parker. Uh. And it's horrible. So Peter Parker dies, not as a hero, by the way. He dies as a decrepit old fart and just dies. <laughs> and, uh, and what really was insulting to me is one, that they're making Dr. Octopus Spider-Man. But two, that he says, I'll be a better Spider-Man. I'll be a better, stronger, faster, smarter, yada, yada, yada. I'll be a superior Spider-Man. And to me, it's just a total shit on the character of Peter Parker. Because now you're going to have to deal with some guy who's so arrogant, and it's just, it's horrible. Uh. Some people like the idea of, you know, changing it up and with the story potential. (laughs) That's fine. Why can't they just do a miniseries? Why are they killing Peter Parker? To, yeah. Because Dan Slott has a hard-on for Otto Octavius. Because he's basically written the Amazing Spider-Man for 100 issues. Yeah. And every major arc with a villain deals with Dr. Octopus. <laughs> so 600 had Doc Ock in it. And then all these other ones had Doc Ock, Doc Ock, Doc Ock, Doc Ock. Which is whatever. That's fine. But yeah. he's, he's, a, he's a cool, iconic villain. But He, he is. A, exactly. He's a villain. And you're going to tell me in a course of three pages and you go from i'm gonna murder millions of people that i understand spider-man's burden it sucks yeah that's shitty so hopefully they'll redo it a year from now i'm sure they will yeah i mean i mean they have an easy out because peter actually didn't die because his body's still around oh yeah yeah so they just gotta like so i'm sure as soon as dr strange figures it out he'll figure something (laughs) yeah (laughs) well i pulled your brain out of the ether and shoved it in the back of your head so right now it upset me i just don't like because he's the most popular character they have, and for some reason they love just shitting on him. Whether it's uh, having him being killed a while ago by a guy named Morlin, um, who's inconsequential. Do you know who that is? Nope. Exactly. Never heard of Morlin. <laughs> um, the Clone Saga, which was just a mess. Yeah. Um, you know, dissolving his marriage because he made a deal with the devil, which is something Peter Parker would never do. Again, yeah. 
they just do these things for convenience. They don't do it for character reasons, and that's what makes me mad. Yeah, and it's the wrong idea. It's the wrong way of looking at like, oh, okay, we we we're not making interesting stories anymore. So clearly, it's with the canon and not just the fact that we're not coming up with cool ideas. Exactly. Or you um, could have a story where risks. the Dark Knight Rises, where Batman dies as a hero. You know, yeah. Even though people hate him, he still flies the bomb off. Yeah. Spider Man dies in Doc Ock's dying body. Yeah. So yeah, of the of the horrible karma-driven leukemia that was eating away <laughs> yeah. his body because he was a horrible person. Yeah, no, no, no. It's a horrible... Yeah, that's it's awful. So, yeah. Anyways, don't get it. And you probably can't anyways. It's all sold out everywhere. <laughs> but, you know. Oh, shoot, because I didn't pick up a copy. Well, I have two copies. You can have the non-variant cover. No, that's all right. <laughs> I might uh, lose one in my garbage can. <laughs> anyways, finally, we're getting to the movie we saw this week. Oh, man. And you guys... Our Sorry, guys. Our, my bad. Our listeners have been waiting hardcore for our review of Texas Chainsaw 3D, what we saw in 2D. Um, Brad, should people go see Texas Chainsaw 3D? Nope. <laughs> James? If you're like me and you don't like slasher films, um, but you do like giant piles of shit, then yeah, <laughs> you should definitely go see this movie in hell. See it in 3D because fuck, it's bad. Uh, yeah, for someone who loves slasher movies, this movie was horrible. <laughs> um, anyways, if you want to listen to the trailer, you can just skip ahead like a minute and a half, and <laughs> here's the trailer. The beast in me. So do you know anything about this place? Just the address. It's caged by frail and fragile bars. Wow. Restless by day and by night, rants and rages. Look like Granny likes to play a little pool. What exactly did Granny do for a living? I have no idea. I just learned about her yesterday. The beast in me. God help.
I mean, there's so many. You don't even know where to start with this movie, because one, you're taking an iconic villain and Leatherface, and I mean, I don't mind. I, I thought the premise was interesting, where they set up it takes place immediately after the events of the first Texas Wait, Chainsaw it Massacre. It starts that way. It jumps forward. It in does, the future, which but... and. and uh, it doesn't make sense. Okay, so no. <laughs> so it takes place in 1974, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then the townsfolk find out that the Sawyer family are killing people, or whatever. So they show up and they exact their revenge. They kill everybody. Leatherface doesn't die, surprisingly. Um, <laughs> fl- flash forward to 40 years in the future, so yeah. Leatherface would be 70. 2012. Mm-hmm. 2012. 70. And if like if someone were born the year that 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 movie was made they'd be then they'd be like 38 39 by now right yeah yeah, yeah. or I mean, the lead actress is 23 24 well she wasn't a baby when the in the oh she was that's right yeah that she's a baby so, it so right away no it makes no sense and actually i knew we were in trouble i mean sometimes i can forgive horror movies for horrible acting and horrible writing which but, there's plenty of in this movie yeah <laughs> but as the credits were going and i'm watching and i see greg nicotero as you know the makeup and um, and then the story comes up, and the story is by a guy named Adam Marcus. Now, as a fan of Friday the 13th movies, my least favorite movie is Jason Goes to Hell, which is written and directed by a guy named Adam Marcus. Mm. So I says, oh, this movie is going to be stupid. This is going to be awkward when we go to another horror fest and Adam Marcus, Adam is, Marcus there is there. I will sit down, and I will have He'll come by our booth and be like... Hey, real nerds! I want to be on your show. And like, oh, oh shit! Did you I'm say not... Bill Mosley was in this movie? Yeah, Bill Where Mosley was Bill Mosley in the movie? He was the guy at the beginning, who was like the leader of the Sawyer clan. Yeah. Oh, like the father? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but anyways, if to answer your question, if Adam Marcus was on there, I would sit him down and I would talk to him about how shitty his movie is. <laughs> I would not kiss his ass. I'd say, dude. Anyways, it's a different movie. What's up, real nerds? <laughs> so, did you guys like Jason Goes to Hell? Fuck no! It's the worst <laughs> Friday Thirteenth movie ever. What? Why would you say that? Because what? it's a horrible movie. Why? Because what you don't do know do? how to direct or write. Anyway. Well, what, what What? about my writing or directing is unsatisfactory? Well, <laughs> one, your logic makes no sense. You have a huge exposition scene in a cell. Can you cite specific examples for me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can, I can quote the whole movie if you like. And your commentary is insulting. Anyways, uh, so in this movie, uh, so I knew I was in trouble. And then when the sheriff showed up and he was spouting off those As soon as the dialogue lines, starts, I knew I was going to have fun. Oh, man. Because it's bad. It's bad. It's horrible. And then, just, I mean, the premise of the movie doesn't make any sense right away. Yeah. Because if it takes place in present time, all these people would be like 90 years old. Middle of the day, they shoot up this house, burn it to the ground, somehow the retarded kid escapes. Just saying. And the police just write it off as... Yeah. Well, they had it coming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in fact, the guy who... This is unlawful, the but... The leads the mob, mayor of the town now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's so stupid. And I hate a lot of times, uh, sometimes it works. In Freddy versus Jason, when they make Jason sympathetic because of what Freddy does to him, works. They don't make Jason the character sympathetic. They make the situation that he's stuck in sympathetic, that he was a little boy who drowned. Well, and not it, and not it, the monster that he's become. Yeah. And in that case, there's also like a another worse villain there or, you know, another villain there that you can sort of pit him against. So then it's OK. Exactly. And trying to they try to make Leatherface sympathetic in this. And I mean, you're that's not something you want to do to a scary character. No, no, you know? and he's not scary at all. It yeah. Really, yeah. 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 He's never he's never terrible. And, you know, I'm, Did I mentioned I'm a lot of this movie is hilarious. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like um, when people are running away in terror and you're laughing because they're falling down. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man, or or you know, it's just like every other horror movie where they have the worst ideas ever. Uh, like, oh, I sort of twisted my ankle when I fell down those stairs, and so now I'm gonna hide in this grave because that's gonna oh, the totally. grave that obviously he dug up, so he knows it's like if I put the coffin <laughs> yeah. lid back yeah, on, but, that's right. That's that I'm in there for digging up that grave. I uh, guess because he wanted that lady to be around. The person he wanted to prop him. up the old lady. So yeah, in her room, so it would be scary. It's not scary. No, it's not. No, it's, it's just never horribly scary. done. I mean, and you can't. I mean, the pacing of the movie is, and the dialogue. I don't know if you can really fault the director. I mean, he really. I mean, what's he going to do with the yeah. shit he's given? You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? It's not like it's horribly directed because there's nothing. Well, well, he's always going to change it. But there's there there is a lot of like nonsense three D like like in the coffin thing where there's all really long sequence of the chainsaw coming directly at us which i can't imagine looks cool in 3d no um especially because there's there's credits in there about and 3D it's so dark so it doesn't look like it's actually 3d one of the the things with 3d it looks so much better when it's bright yeah and it was so dark i don't think the effect would be that effective yeah <laughs> no i hear you back to the plot but so the there's pl- this baby yeah so this baby oh, yeah. is picked up by these people who murdered her family and she grows up to be this really hot butcher. At a, she was really hot at she a grocery really hot, store, yeah. and and uh, dude, the first time you see her friend and she spouts off dialogue. Next time you, next time Shinta wants to give me look at my chest. Oh my god, it's the worst. It is. I don't even know. And, I, and so they they're gonna go to New Orleans for a party, and then she finds out she's inherited the Sawyer huge house from her grandmother who's her mansion yeah. she's never met and doesn't know who she is and then they have this really horrible confrontational scene with her <laughs> adoptive parents so, so she goes to her do- to her to her parents and she says like and she finds out this thing about her being adopted and she goes home and there's first of all there's this really long horribly long sequence of her walking up the stairs really slowly as we have a view of her as she bounces up and down up the stairs we yep. don't need we don't need to we don't need to see that um, but anyway, <laughs> she walks in and, I enjoyed it. <laughs> um, and her friends are there and they have already decided that they're going to go and go see this mansion instead. She, j- as far as we know, she just got home, but somehow just, and she just found out about the mansion, right? Yeah. Like, did miraculously, she- they all know, and they have already communed and decided they're going <laughs> to, they're going to road trip to Texas. Like it's that kind of just nonsense. Um, you know, what's so funny about Adam Marcus's scripts is he literally just has this nonsense for convenience. Yeah. In Jason Goes to Hell, it was a scene where he's having in a jail cell where one of the guys was telling him the whole plot of the movie without actually showing what the plot of the movie was. And in this movie... It happens twice. Exactly. It's the same thing. He's a horrible writer because he looks for like the exposition scenes he uses as advancing the plot which yeah. is fine but not when she's walking up the stairs and like oh she wants to go to Texas when well, advancing the plot and um completely spelling it out as if we don't know cuz there's a sequence about halfway through after everybody has died uh where she's at the police station and she there's this box of evidence it says evidence really big on it uh and she opens it up and it's just newspaper clippings which is not evidence <laughs> that's actually the opposite of evidence that's <laughs> hearsay dude you, you but, skipped over the part where after she gets out of the grave and she runs through a crowded carnival oh yeah with a bunch of people and well, apparently don't notice 
re- like real chainsaws yeah. sounds. Yeah, <laughs> Leatherface is chasing her. She's yeah. running from him. He just cut through a fence people. where people are maybe 10 feet away. Yeah. Hundreds of people, right? Yeah. And oh, yeah. She's running from him, and no one's helping her. They just part ways and let him. No one's even her. turning and looking. Yeah, They're all like. Which it, could yeah. be, I thought it could be a terrifying scene. Literally, if he came through and he was just butchering people. Yeah. Trying like to get Jason to and Freddy like versus Jason Jason Freddy versus at the Jason. party, the rave party. Like he's just going through butchering people, trying to get to her. That would be terrifying. Yeah. But for some reason, they make Leatherface not scary in this movie. Yeah. yeah. He even shows, like, does a showdown with a guy dressed up like uh, Saw, yeah. like with the pig head. And then they don't fight at all. Like, yeah, he just lets them go and run off. <laughs> it's like getting a blowjob, and then when you're about to come, they're just like, oh, you're done. It's like, that's all it is. It was not, it wasn't even like that. Because that's, you know, enjoyable. At least, you, at least somebody's touching you. Like, this is, <laughs> this is not, not anywhere near that. No, because um, and, and here's the thing like, even if you are somebody who really likes slasher films, um, the first person who gets killed just gets smacked in the face with a hammer. It's just a jump scare. There is, there is mm-hmm. not creative at all. Um, one guy get one guy dies in a car crash, not even by the crazy murderer dude. Um, one ch- the chick, do we ever see her die? Yeah, she, yeah, got she shot, shot in, the in the face. Oh, that's the, right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that so, might okay, be. You know, so Leatherface killed three people in this movie. Yeah. You know what else I realized is when he's at the carnival and he's waiting for her to come, like the main character to come back down around from the carousel. Yeah, it's carousel. Ferris wheel. Ferris wheel. Um, and so that young cop is staring him down, and then later we find out that he is the son of the bad the mayor. Sheriff, right. the mayor. Yeah. So he doesn't know about Leatherface. So why wouldn't he just shoot him there? Oh well, yeah, yeah. Well, he well, threw the chainsaw if, at him dude, in 3D. Duh. <laughs> but but you don't when when there's a guy at a carnival with a giant chainsaw and he's swinging it at people, you don't say put the chainsaw down or I'm going to shoot you. You just shoot that guy. And he doesn't. That's <laughs> right. what I'm saying. It's like, he also knows the backstory. Like, there's a guy exactly. with a ch- chainsaw you that my I'm dad right? probably told me about at some point in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, he had to have because, well, yeah, because he would have to at some point, right? Because he knows, because when he picks her up later, he's like, I hate those Sawyers. Yeah. He would know who Leatherface is. I mean, he doesn't yeah. necessarily know that, that, uh, that she is one, but still, like, but he knows that he is and right. would he kill him? Yeah, yeah, right then and there, like you just because at some point down. you know, like when he was a kid, his dad was bragging about like, oh man, one time I he's burned down these people's house. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. he thinks he's a butch, like awesome dude. But uh, that guy you said was dead is alive. I should probably mow him down right now. Yeah, because then my nope. daddy will really like me, and then I could totally bang that chick. Okay, the most excruciating sequence, though, I think, um, and let me know if I'm wrong, is when the the cop who. Um, he's on the phone with the with the with the like oh. the sheriff, and the cop facetimes with the sheriff and the mayor, and is slowly following the trail of blood back into the house. And it feels like it's fifteen minutes long, and nothing comes from it. It's just like, oh, we're just slowly going through the house, and, and all he all- focuses on with the phone is the trail of blood. Yeah, well, and- like there's no other evidence in the <laughs> house to well, focus on, and we're just revisiting things we've already seen. Like we're revisiting like the fingers in the bowl and all of that stuff. I've, and we've it, seen all that stuff. And it's, it's not scary. And it's, you know, maybe this is a director's fault. It's not suspenseful at all. No. I mean, I, that's what it's trying to be, but it's so poorly done. That I'm not thinking about suspense. I'm just thinking about, like, is this procedure for most <laughs> cops? Like, if you, now we have iPhones, you can yeah. record your process. Again, it takes place 40 years later, and that cop was in the picture, and the, dude, the cop looks like he's oh, 47. Well, the sheriff and the mayor have not aged at all. 
Yeah. Like, they are old in the past, and they are still old. One of them has shaved his head because times have changed. It's not the 70s, so we don't have afros anymore. Like, it, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And when you're making the movie, don't you... Well, uh, again, I'm going to bring up Adam Marcus, but don't you realize that that's what's happening in it? You don't... If I was a director and I was reading that script, I'd be like, this doesn't make any fucking sense at all. Well, and they could have pulled it off if they had made it... Like, if they had said it 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, but they because they aren't paying any attention... Uh, I don't know if you noticed how shittily made the tombstones were, where they looked like they were made with plywood and some, like, year-old cement was thrown into it. But they said 2012 on, exactly. the, on the headstones, where you're going, like, why, did, why didn't you just, like, say that it was 1994? And it would have been fine. Like, or, except e- for the cell phone. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, or, or, or 1998, you know, which still cell phones. But, yeah, they were smartphones. They had FaceTime. No, so. I know. <laughs> yeah. I, I know, but I'm saying, like, pick a time where that's not that far back. It wouldn't cost you that much money to try and make it look like it was old-timey or, what you know... Um, or don't use the footage from the beginning, of the first movie. Yeah. Mm. Don't use the original Taint Chainsaw Massacre footage. But more importantly, where it goes is this girl is now grown up and finds out she's a Sawyer and basically befriends Leatherface. Mm-hmm. And then, they team up. <laughs> yeah. At the end, yeah, she throws him his chainsaw and goes, do you think, cuz? Which is the worst line. <laughs> um, and then, like, she basically, well, she kills one dude. At, at, at just one, right? Yeah. yeah. She stabs him with, with the pitchfork. Pitch yeah. And then... Which, why doesn't she hit the power at that point? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to and stop... Yeah. To oh save my, Leatherface. Oh, my God. No, yes. she's... Yeah. So, Leatherface uh. is then terrorizing the mayor, and then the cop shows up again, and instead of doing his civic duty as a police officer, he's eh, the mayor's bad, just kill him. Well, he's conflicted, because, yeah, like, the mayor... Is bad. He At is. Point, yeah, the, yeah. The mayor's a bad person. I started saying that like as you were saying it, so you completed my thought before I got there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, but you know what I mean, though. Even if you're if the mayor's bad, isn't Leatherface worse? And just yeah, you just eh, let him live. Yeah. Well, but then, he won't cause any more problems. He won't come after me. <laughs> then there's this moment where like Leatherface stands there for a while, and I'm thinking, dude, maybe they're gonna go all the way, and Leatherface is just gonna throw himself into that into that thing because he's like, oh man. I'm stupid and I'm not scary anymore and nobody really wants to see more of these movies. <laughs> Why don't I I mean where I've done my duty and I killed the mayor whatever. Um I'm just going to jump in there and be dead and I thought oh, okay. I don't like what you did but then that would at least be like oh, okay that's a completion of that that sort of arc where he becomes really sympathetic but then they don't do that. He just goes home and she makes him sandwiches. Yep. And how about the CGI on the mayor getting chewed up. Chewed up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I've it's seen like better CGI in, shark, in like Ooh. ripoff shark movies. It's horrible. Oh yeah. man. It's Leather, disappointing. Leatherface has really cool pants though. Film the face. Pants. I mean, that's Completely a cool poster. CGI yeah. Chum. The, pro- the problem is on the poster it says in 1974, one movie changed their face of horror. Oh. In 2013, a new dark chapter begins. And so he cuts off the face of the cop that he murders at the house, right? Mm-hmm. And that cop is actually still kind of alive. Um, and then suddenly, within minutes, that face is dried and he sews it together. <laughs> yeah. Like it's completely uh, moistureless leather. <laughs> yeah. In the span of a few minutes. Well, maybe he has I a assume. really good s- smoker. <laughs> Which Was that supposed to be scary? Like he sews it onto his face? Like I that's guess. Supposed to be... It was horrible. It just was shot ugly. It just doesn't look good. Yeah. 
Oh, man. Anyways. My, my favorite moment, though, is that at one point they're driving their car and they drive past an armadillo that's dead on the side of the road. Hmm. Um, but it doesn't look like roadkill. What it looks like is some kind of video game character. When you hop on top of it, it, it dies by just flipping over onto its <laughs> back because it's clearly just a taxidermied armadillo that they've sat upside down. There is a Koopa coupling in Mario 3 that if you jump on it it like flips over like that right. you have to jump on it again so yeah it's exactly <laughs> like that they really think that like when something dies its eyes turn into x's and it flips onto its back <laughs> like that's how stupid the, the 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 people in charge of this movie must be hmm. um oh man or at least how stupid they think we are for going to see it yep i had a good time yeah it was hilarious i enjoyed watching that chick's midsection yeah throughout the movie that's nice. And then, and then like she just suddenly is braless and and, and gets yeah. her shirt ripped and off just yeah. enough so Leatherface can see the Sawyer. <laughs> Not even the whole like yeah. crest burned into her, just like the little part. And then it ends up just being creepy because then it's a scene of like a whole lot of cleavage and her tied up and just like moaning and screaming and it's nah. and you mm. see no nip. What's that about? Yeah, the shirt is conveniently covering in every situation. Yeah, yeah. it's lame. I want to see tits. <laughs> uh, it wouldn't have made this movie watchable. No, next week we're seeing Zero Dark Thirty. Sorry, also when he hangs that guy on the meat hooks and uh, mm-hmm. then he gets all <gasps> angry and then he cuts him in half. Yes. And apparently his upper organs don't just fall out. They just <laughs> they stay crammed well, in there. When they're, when they're clearly made of, uh, of plaster, no, they don't. <laughs> Even the clothes look like they were just like glued together. It's Greg Nicotero, right? Yeah. Sure he has a yeah, but shame real reticence of anatomy. I don't I don't what, think he what, was what, trying. What me and what was James involved. are talking about, maybe it was just his studio because yeah. he was busy <laughs> doing yeah, walking it, dead. It, it walking really dead. doesn't look like when that guy's when you see under that guy's face, that looks like uh, Yeah. I mean that looks like like when Buffy did it <laughs> ten, fifteen years ago. That's right. Like or well, ten years ago. Um th- no, that's not it's not good. I agree. So we're seeing Zero Dark Thirty and not Gangster Squad. I think we might try to see them both. Try to see them both. I mean, I, I yeah, it's either that or we see one, and then the next week instead of seeing the Last Stand, we see the other. But I want to see the Last. Stand. I kind of want to see the Last Stand. I think we're seeing the Last Stand. <laughs> Schwarzenegger yeah. in Johnny Knoxville. Yeah, yeah. Schwarzenegger in his first starring role since Terminator Three. And I definitely don't want to not see Gangster Squad. I would almost yeah, I would almost postpone Zero Dark Thirty before I would postpone Gangster Squad. That's how much I care. So, either way, you can uh, tweet us real underscore nerds. You can follow us on Twitter. I just said that part. You Facebook, can you Facebook, can like us, us like us on Facebook. Over a hundred likes this we got up to. Yeah. Thanks everybody. Thanks for everybody for liking us. Tell your friends. Even if you don't like us, um, thanks for liking our page. Then you can go to our website, realnerdspodcast.com. dot com. You can email us realnerds at gmail dot com. You can call us seven two zero six nerds five. Um, yeah, make sure you just hit us up next week. We'll see a movie, Gangster Squad or Zero Dark Thirty or both. Either way, it'll be a whole lot more fun than this year, this week's was. Hopefully. Maybe Gangster Squad isn't as good. No. Maybe they both suck. No. We don't know. We don't know. You'll have to tune in next week. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.